Pixar Journey, where we watch everything Pixar has ever made. That means movies, shorts, tech demos, and more. And today, it is me and Danny. I'm Danny. And, yes, that's Danny, and we're joined <laughs> by two guests. Would you mind introducing yourselves? Hi, I'm Thomas. I'm Mark's brother. That's pretty much the most relevant uh, plug I can give myself for my position here. Uh, yeah, I'm Mason. I am Thomas's friend uh, and an actor, I guess I should say that. Uh, but oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. I wanted to bring you all on for this episode, but that was before that I know you all had a big life upheaval moment. I wondered <laughs> if you wanted to share about that. Oh, yeah. I just moved in with him in uh, California, so now my family, is, we were originally from the Midwest, and they're baffled that Mark's on the East Coast and I'm on the West Coast, and that's just a kind of an interesting thing that we're having to deal with right now. Are you originally from, like, Illinois, Mason? So my parents both were born in the St. Louis area. My dad's from St. Louis. My mom is St. Louis as well. Uh, but they moved to California, and I was born out in California. I was born in Van Nuys. That's where I'm from. So... I was born here, and then we moved back to Illinois when I was five, and I moved back here two years ago. Last year? A year and a half? Somewhere like that. A year and a half ago now. Yeah, so it's been a minute, but uh, yeah, it's nice to have Thomas here, because, you know, we grew up together, so. I think that probably came up a little bit during the Finding Nemo episode, because this, remember when I talked about, you know, having beach memories and pool memories associated with Finding Nemo? Mason's family is the family that those were shared with. Ah. Yeah, whenever we met, it was all about the pool, and now I moved out and to make it all about the ocean, so... Yes. Yeah. Hey, and that's what we're looking a, for! It's such a change of pace. See, I have... Fi <laughs> Finding Incredible Nemo dedication is, to the bit. Finding my, Nemo is just my favorite Pixar movie, too. I, I grew up on that. Mason, you've been in California for a second, and Thomas, you know... You've been there for, like, a day. Have you had, like, weird adventures? I did have a pretty cool job. I recently worked at Warner Brothers as a studio tour guide. So, cool! Yeah, I love jobs like that. Go on. Sorry. Yeah, it was, it was, no, it's okay. It was, a, it was a really fun job. I get to I got to, like, show guests around the lot, and they got to see, like, where shows film. We get to go inside sound stages if the show isn't filming that day or they allow us to go in there. You know, since it's Warner Brothers, we got to see, like, People really love the Big Bang Theory and Friends, and so we film those shows, and I get to show guests all the cool stuff that we own from those shows, as well as, like, DC Comics and stuff. So it was a lot of fun. I got to see, like, cool celebrities. But That's I cool. didn't stick around, because in the off-season, they don't get a ton of uh, guests coming, so just yeah. don't get as many hours, you know? Well, I, I was surprised I, you sent some... Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I've, I've sadly never done one of the studio tours. When I've, got, I've gone to L.A. twice, both for... Pixar movies, uh, but um, <laughs> the thing is, is that I last time I was there, I did the Academy Museum, but we wanted to do the tours, but we just really couldn't make it work with our schedule. Sure, uh, because we had we had one of our friends who will actually be on our podcast, I think, next week. Um, one of our friends, one of my friends, and the other friend I went with, friends. Mark doesn't know this person. Um, they're like, you have to go to Knotts with us, with me, because I know you're a big theme park person, so. I, we didn't have time to do anything else other than going to Knott's and then the museum and then the beach. Universal's kind of nice because you get a theme park and they get their studio tour, but the Universal studio tour is not the same. It's the it's a scripted thing. Ours yeah. is entirely improvised. We know, like, 
it's very cool. We we cater our tour depending on our guests' interests. So I, I'll cool. have at the beginning of my tour, I'll be like, "Hey, so what are whatever? Does anyone know what they're a fan of here at Warner Brothers?" And people will say, "Oh, I like the Looney Tunes." And my fa- uh, my favorite thing to do for my guests, I I have my guests call me Shaggy, and my nice. favorite thing to do. Uh, I'd be like, so does uh, anyone here like Scooby Doo? And then someone go, oh yeah, me. And I go, like me too, man. Uh, oh my gosh, you're just so much better than mine. <laughs> I, uh, I I've been doing that. I for was a Shaggy while. for Halloween last year. That's why I was. Oh, like, yeah. oh gosh, I, yeah, it's, I'm Shaggy every Halloween. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just so easy. It's a green T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. When you say you cater it, do you mean you cater the topics you talk about, or do you have like a path and you can deviate from the Mark, path? I swear, I thought like... you were gonna ask. Does this mean you like make them lunch? <laughs> I swear, that's what that No, going. but they actually do get lunch on like, the deluxe tour. But um, no, uh, we we improvise the entire thing. So I get to choose where I go, what I want to say, um, what I want to talk about, all just depending on what I think my audience is going to enjoy the most. And we had a lot of really cool things that filmed there. Um, like, and just cool, like cool little fun facts, like the Call of Duty franchise did most of the recording for all of the weaponry noises in one of our backlots. Neat. That Um, is neat. Yeah. There's just like cool little fun facts like that. Like, my one of my favorite ones is that Batman quite literally saved the Warner Brothers studio because the Michael Keaton Batman was such a huge box office success that they were able to uh, continue being not continue they were merged with a different company at the time I don't remember which company it was but they were able to completely take back their own lot so they had like a whole parade for Michael Keaton's Batman and he got to be at the front of the parade in the Batmobile. Did they blur the Prince music from that movie? Because I really hope they did. Or do you I know? don't know. <laughs> but Prince's album cover did, for Purple Rain, did take place on our back lots. There's a lot of oh, just really cool random fun facts that, that cool. happen at a movie lot. It was really cool to get to hear about all that stuff, although it was not enough focused on animation, which I was bummed about, because I am a huge Scooby-Doo buff. Isn't the animation stuff, I don't know for WB, but I know a lot of the animation stuff is centered in, Bur- well, Burbank's around there too, but you know what I mean, like it's not, I didn't think it was really like in downtown LA or wherever, Hollywood area, wherever this studio lot is, sorry. The studio lot the is in Burbank, actually. Oh, so, well there you go, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure I'm asked. <laughs> But Warner Brothers Animation is in a different area because back in the day, Warner Brothers Animation did not get along too well with Jack Warner. So they eventually, I don't know if that's the exact reason, but they didn't get along. And eventually they got a lot of revenue, so they got their own place off lot at Warner Brothers Mm -hmm. Animation. So that's where they work. But there is still like buildings where they used to work on our lot that we like to talk about. Am I wrong about Glendale 2 being like a big animation place? Or was that more in the past? It has a few studios, but nowadays it's not... Not necessarily like a big animation hub, I don't think. Thomas, do you have first impressions? Yeah, well, we bought groceries today, which before I bought groceries for the first time, I managed to uh, acquire employment just out here in the not really sticks, but the suburbs, so not at all the sticks. (laughs) And if you put it that way, it seems like I was going to get employment like that, which is what happened our our landlady asked me if i wanted to be involved with with like a like be a production assistant on a film crew and that's nice it's really cool i have never been on a set in my life tomorrow i'm starting that so can i ask a bizarre question where did you guys go grocery shopping i was gonna say at costco if if you i just caught having a costco membership is like gold as an adult in my opinion like if does a costco buy you 
That's the thing. I, I agree, just, but there's Costco one is just amazing. It's just if I go on a date and I want to impress a girl, I'm gonna mention that I have a Costco card. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I clarify though why I asked where you shopped? It's because I have a friend in my group chat that I've mentioned on this podcast before, but it's like a very a lot of people. But this is one of my friends in LA, who's another friend I met up with when I went to LA. But he constantly talks about how he's like, oh, spending the Saturday at Ralph's again. So I was like, where are you at Ralph's? Because we don't have Ralph's here. I've, <laughs> but, I've gone to Ralph's, but it's not. It's just, it's just I know. another, like, <laughs> any place, you know? I just know there are some people who are, like, obsessed with it in California. I don't get it. Now, it's so. like people are obsessed with Trader Joe's. And, like, some places just have better prices. But it's like if you just want to get a good, consistent, everything's cheaper, but bulk, Costco's your place. Thomas, if I may ask. Um, since I know you just moved to California, have you visited before, or is this, like, full-blown new to you? So I have visited twice. Once, okay. Mason and I got a bed and breakfast, and he showed me around where he spent his college time in California so that he went to AMDA. Hey, can you, like, describe what's happening for this, like, yes. audio medium? <laughs> if we were lucky, we were going to find out, and we have found out. <laughs> there is... She's oh, a very cool. Bikini? Yeah, she's Cat. A very... No, we can't see it. This is recorded. Oh, well, there's <laughs> This is an audio medium. It's like it's whenever. I... Yeah, so there's a there's my gray cat has decided to hop onto Thomas's lap because. Oh, and she brought you a DVD. It's true. <laughs> yeah, she brought me. What? what? She, she delivered Cody Maverick. She brought me Cody Maverick from Surf's Up. Yeah. On my... Wait, you have a picture of him? Ace's Chromebook. Oh yeah, it's sitting right there. I, I have a really interesting decor choice in my house because behind us, which obviously you can't see, but it's way in a corner, there is Dean, just a cutout of Dean Norris's head. Oh, Dean Norris nice. from, from Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah Hank. Hank Schrader, yeah. Yep. It's from, it's, it, you know what's funny is I, I got it at work at Warner Brothers from like a poster they were getting rid of for a show called The United States of Al. And I you probably never heard what of it. What a title. What a right? title. Right? But um, working at a movie studio makes you really appreciate how successful some shows and movies really are. Because the amount of titles I saw go through there that no one I know has ever heard of or ever will hear of is just astounding. There's at least like 30 different titles that I could name that I know that no one here would ever think of or even know. I feel like we don't talk enough about bad movies having good titles. And that's something that I think about a lot because I like a good title. I like, I tend to like longer ones or anything kind of artsy, like Sweet Smell of Success or The Postman Always Rings Twice. And I think that 80 for Brady is a great title. <laughs> it is a good title. <laughs> I can agree and with that. I went to, oh, well, I go to the music box, which is a local feed in Chicago all the time. And earlier this month, they were um, advertising a 35mm print of Zabriskie Point. I don't know what that movie is. But what got me hyped about it was not that title, but it was like, with short, and the short's title is... Let me read it. It's the short. I, I just looked up, because I, I was like, oh, that title's so good. Is God respects us when we work, but loves us when we dance. And I'm like, ooh, that's a great title. That I love good. that title. <laughs> is it playing before Zabriskie Point? It was, yeah, I was playing before. Was a, this was like a few weeks ago they played Zabriskie Point. Uh, I couldn't make it out for it. But I was like, but I saw the commercial and it's like, this short's with it too. I was like, ooh, I want to watch that short. Because that's a great title. I don't know if it's any good, but good title. I'm impressed if a movie can be so bad that people 
like it can make money at the box office and people will talk shit about it, but it still drew people in just based on like maybe title or names or like whatever. I'm kind of impressed by the ability to make that happen, to make money off of a piece of shit. Uh, that to me is funny. Like like the movie um, Angels and Demons. Have you have you seen that one? I haven't yeah, seen, seen it, but I know what you're talking about. I saw the sequel and it's the only one I've seen of that trilogy. Because yeah. Angels and Demon, I know this is the second one. I saw Inferno, and then when I got out, it was like the eighth, seventh or eighth inning of like the World Series where the Cubs was about to win. So like I was like, oh, uh, and I, I thought I don't I don't care about sports, but that night I was like, I guess I do care because they might actually do this. And then I was like, we can't talk about Inferno. We need to watch the end of this baseball game that I never watch. Thomas, do you have any choice titles? Choice titles? I'm wondering what you guys look for. How do you detect that a film is going to be a so bad it's good based on the title? Like, are you looking for something just there, or do you have to have the reputation beforehand, and then you're like... I don't I don't think that's the method. I think, I think that a good title can kind of exist on its own, but more Mason, what you were talking about, I think a, a good star brings people in. If it has a good title, it really has nothing to do with the quality of the movie. It's just right. a nice set of words that sticks in my brain. Wait, but, it, but if we're talking about titles that immediately signal the movie might be a special type of bad, let me tell you. So, as I've said before, I love the music box here in Chicago. And I think it was like February 2019, they announced, we're showing this film that we believe might be the Christian version of The Room. And I'm like, okay, maybe, we'll see about that. Like, And then the type, they're, they're, here's the title. Yeah. Surfer colon... Teen confronts fear. And I'm like, ooh, yeah, that's gotta be a bad movie. <laughs> that's the title. Surfer Teen confronts fear. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it toured like the art house theaters that show bad movies, and it never got a release otherwise. <laughs> but I'm, I've been like, ooh, I really hope that comes back someday because I, I would love to watch that again. That was so. It was like the good type of bad movie, you know. There was like a 10 minute um sequence where the guy just started ranting about ectoplasm. And at one point, you could see, like, the script, like, being handed to him and then taken back out of frame. Uh, I, I, I always <laughs> wonder how these marketing teams can be so good that, like, sometimes you see movies that come out and you see a lot of advertising for them and it seems like it's getting a lot of attention and it's got no big names attached at all. And then, like, I, I for instance, I watched this movie called Separation. Worst two hours I've ever spent in a movie theater, let me tell you. It was one of the most slow Is this the Iranian film A Separation? No. Okay, okay, because no. I haven't seen I, Okay, go on, sorry. It's, a, it's yeah. like a horror movie, but it's the okay. most slow burn, not scary most anticlimactic ending to a horror movie, and it was like wild to me how it was being played on a national level to people. I'm like, how- look at this, because I, I, I pride myself on having what I call my encyclopedic knowledge of movies that came out, but I have no idea what you're talking about, so I'm like, what? What yeah, is 2021 this? horror movie. 4.7 on IMDb, 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, this is from the director of... This is a 1.8 on Letterboxd. You know what? A- you know what? I think the biggest name they have is Violet McGraw, the child actor, because I've seen her in other things. I it think says it has Brian Cox in it. Um, <laughs> I wrote a review. He gets on around, it. man. Yeah. Um, I see that this is from the director of the boy movies and Orphan First Kill and The Devil Inside. So I guess he's just a very like he, he you know he he gets work. You know he's a horror director that does work. Yeah. I liked Orphan First Kill. I haven't seen. I didn't like the boy, and I haven't seen the other ones. But 
Orphan yeah, First Kill is more of a comedy anyway. So, yeah, this yeah. one is just definitely not it, though. But, like, yeah, sometimes it's just it's shocking to me how these movies can manage to get to national levels. How do they well, do? I think, you know, people like Oh, this came films, out, like, in and I May 21. That, yeah. So, yeah. Got it. I don't so. know. I feel like I need to remind myself of that, is that people like a lot of things. Yeah. So. Well, you know what? I think also well, the COVID era had an effect on what movies were making it out there because there was such a lack of content. I was going to say, May 2021 would mean this came out right before A Quiet Place re- like Quiet Place 2 reopened the movie theaters, like with big movies, you know? Yeah. So it would have been just in Under the Wire yeah. of... You know, like, uh, we're putting anything in theaters now because the theaters desperately need something. It's true. They just did need things to play. I also saw that movie. It was, like, almost like an X-Men origin story about mutants. And I I liked that one, but what it wasn't it good. It's what the it? New Mutants. The New Mutants, yeah. It, it was not good. <laughs> it was, like, I, weird. It was really weird. I, I like that they... It, it existed. You know what I mean? That's, that's my whole thing that I used to be... And uh, I used to have a Marvel podcast. And you know how people were always like, oh, yeah, Disney bought Marvel and uh, bought Fox, so now we can get X Men stuff in it. If I'm like, yeah, but like, if Disney had always had X Men, you would never have gotten a movie like Logan, and you would have never gotten like a historically like bad movie like X Men Origins Wolverine. And I yeah. think there's merit in having uh, that's what I like about both um, DC and the Fox Marvel stuff is that you never knew what you were going to get, which made every movie exciting. Whereas with Marvel, you know, it's all that basic level of quality, maybe up a bit, maybe down a bit, but it's all pretty fluid. You know what I mean? It's all about sure. the same. But like, you can with DC, you can get like a movie like the first Wonder Woman, or you could get a movie like Suicide Squad. Have either of you seen Turning Red? Mark, you're jumping ahead. We're gonna... <laughs> yes, yes, I have seen Turning Red because I of have... my exposure during watching Kids at Latchkey. So, oh nice. wow, the little ones did watch Turning Red one day, and that was... we're not allowed to show it to our kids. Sadly, I've never heard a reason it. for that. You've never heard of Turning Red? No, it's the Pixar movie that came out last year. That's good. Okay, it's not about Buzz Lightyear. It was. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, like, I didn't see that one either. I was that one's the animation scared me a little bit. I'm not gonna lie, kind of. That one me. was the that one's not worth your time. As and you know, if we have a Pixar podcast, we're saying a Pixar thing is not worth your time. Yeah, you know, it's not worth. Oh your yeah, time. it's just like it's just like I'm not gonna recommend to people like when they ask me for like recommend because people at work come to me for the Scooby Doo recommendations. I'm not gonna go ahead and say to watch the live actions that don't have Matthew Lillard. Like I'm, not, I'm not gonna tell you to go watch the Velma series. I'm. I, I know what Scooby Doo's right. You know, you know what Pixar's right. I just remember, I wanted to mention this earlier briefly, but when you mentioned you were shaggy at work, I remember the greatest day in college for me. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's overselling it, but it was the day we did um, a series of plays, and I was in three of them. And the order of characters I played were Ghost Luke Skywalker, Shaggy from Scooby Doo, and uh, God. Those were the <laughs> characters I played, and. He ordered was that gr- in highest to lowest power as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the thing about playing Shaggy was uh, really funny was the director told me he wanted to be like, kind of like Velma actually, now that we're thinking about it, where it's like, I want it just to be in the script that these are Scooby characters. I don't want you to like think of your character as Scooby-Doo. And I was just like, nah, man. And I just <laughs> a really bad Shaggy voice. 
I just want them to bring Matthew Lillard back as Shaggy. Just do it. Just make him Shaggy again, because he's the best since Casey Kasem. And it's... I think he is, though, like, in, like, the normal stuff. I thought he is still Shaggy. Well, Like, uh, I, I say, no, like, the non-adult cartoon stuff. Because I'm yeah, sure he, there's other Scooby stuff on besides Velma right he now. He has been in, like, is. since uh, the Scooby-Doo live actions, he was, he did voice stuff for the animated movies, like, that would come out every couple of years, you know, like, Scooby-Doo, Zombie Island, the best piece of Scooby-Doo there is. I know he was Recently, on Mystery Incorporated. Yeah, Mystery Incorporated was also very slept on, and it's, a lot of people don't know why it didn't get popularity, but it's because Cartoon Network used to air it at, like, four in the morning, so people wouldn't see it, because they didn't want it to get success, because they didn't think it was a good show. That show and Gravity Falls are both, like, in that era where the first season was airing when I was in college, not college, in high school, like, my junior year, maybe, and I tried to catch it, but then, as you said, it was, like, impossible to really catch, and then it took them forever to come out the second season, and then when I was in college, I was like, I... I don't even have cable right now. I don't know how to... Yeah. I can't find this. <laughs> like, Yeah, Netflix but, revived it. Netflix revived oh, that cool. series. Yeah, so. I mean, I've been meaning to go back and finish it, but we'll, we'll see. You know, they, like, I mean to go back and finish it since it's been done. <laughs> so actually, we'll see if that ever happens. Last year, they were actually in talks of possibly doing a third season. Oh, that would be really cool. It would be very cool, considering the fan base, like, it had a huge cult following when it popped up on Netflix again. Because not even, I mean, I hadn't even really heard of it until it came on Netflix, like, when I watched it, like, six, seven years ago. I'm curious if that show is popular with kids. And the reason I say that is because I work, I work with kids, too, um, Thomas, but um, Avatar, The Last Airbender, was put on Netflix, all my kids started watching it, even though, like, you know, because then it was just a new cartoon. So I'm curious if Scooby-Doo had the similar, like, if it had a child, because I know that show was really popular when people are aged, but I'm curious if it, like, is popular with these kids too who just viewed as a cartoon that's available to them well when i first initially watched it i was like only 13 14 when i saw it on mm-hmm. netflix because that my family was early on the netflix train and it yeah. came on there when i was like 13 14 maybe 15 but um i really enjoyed it however i am obviously a scooby-doo super fan but thomas enjoyed it too most of the people i showed it to enjoyed it and so i think it appealed to people who are high school age and maybe to like High like high high school to like low middle school. Shall we play games? I love a game. Love a good game. Alright. This is my game. The letterbox game. I'll explain what it is, then we'll figure out how to do this, because I don't think we've ever had three competitors before, so we'll we'll figure it out. Um but the letterbox game. We're gonna try to guess movies based on films that Letterbox says we might also enjoy. Because I have a feature now where it's the algorithmically related film to the film you just watched at the bottom of the page. So if Letterbox recommends Big Hero 6 and Megamind in the recommended tab, you might be trying to guess Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Like, that's an example I could give you. I start by giving you the first five recommended titles. After each wrong guess of the original movie, you'll get more titles or another hint. I leave titles out of the recommended list if they have the same director of the original film or are in the same franchise. So, if I was doing Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, I would not say The Amazing Spider-Man, because that's a Spider-Man movie. Or I also wouldn't say this is a... This is a detail that you might want to know. It's kind of important for one of the movies this time. I also wouldn't say Captain America: Civil War because even though it's not a Captain, Am- even though it's not a Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man does appear in that film. Wink, wink. That okay. might be something important to know later on in one of the rounds we have set up. Uh, I also wouldn't say Rise of the Guardians for Spider-Verse because that is also directed by Peter Ramsey, who directed Spider-Verse. Oh, there's a lot um, of knowledge in this. Okay. Now, first, I will give what. This is how I always kick off before we figure out the rules is just as an example, 
Makes it easier for guests. For Surf's Up, what we did for Surf's Up, your five films would be Madagascar, Cars, Finding Nemo, Ice Age, and Shark Tale. This is really interesting to me that there is no Happy Feet in the top five, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> There's also no March of the Penguins in the top 25 either, which is like, okay. But anyway, that's that's a whole different barrel of worms. Um, barrel of worms, I should definitely say that constantly. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, before One other thing I'll say, to keep it easier for the guests, is what I do with guests is I get rid of the films that made less than $100 million at the box office. So these are all movies that were financial successes, and they're in order by most popular to least popular in box. Not by money, but like that popularity. But I, as I said to you guys, I think these are all very popular films. I'll be surprised if you haven't seen these. Now, okay. now that I've said that, I'm sure I will be proven wrong, because that's always what happens when I say that. Now, how do we want to do this? Because we've never had three guests before. I think we should all do it against each other, so we'll have three people all fighting. Okay. All right. Okay. And so what we'll do then is is each round each round of guests you will all lock in a guess. Okay? Yeah. All and right. There's no order that you have to answer in either. If you like know it right away, just go for it. All right. Ready for round one? Sure. Yes. Aha. Uh-huh. All right. Your five films are Serenity. This is the Joss Whedon Serenity film that's a spinoff of Firefly. Dune 2021, Jupiter Ascending, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Valyrian in the City of a Thousand Planets. Gonna go ahead and say Guardians of the Galaxy? I'm gonna only, guess Avatar 2. Only movie in my mind is Ender's Game. Oh, that was it. That's All a right. good shout. All of you are wrong, but we'll okay. see if any of you hit the top 25. So that was, what, what was said? Um, Guardians is in the top 25. Ender's Game is not in the top 25, and Avatar 2 is not in the top 25. So if you all tie, which I think is very possible with this one, we'll say that your Guardian's guess will break that tie to get you the point. Okay? <laughs> um, because the next thing we give you is the year, and I'll be very surprised if you don't all lock in on the, and after I give you the year, because the year is 1977. Star Wars. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, Wait, yeah. Oh, we gotta... I, I, I will let you all pick Star Wars with 1977 oh. sci-fi movie. Right. <laughs> um, Why'd you see Star Wars? I'm gonna say Deep Space. <laughs> um, because this was on my um, this was during that week I was sick, and I was at home, and I had some DV, not DVD commentaries, but basically I've had some podcast commentaries I wanted to listen to and one of them is actually previous guest on our podcast Caleb his Star Wars ther- therapy podcast did a Star Wars commentary and I wanted to listen to it so uh, I removed obviously 10 movies from this list because there are 10 star there are 11 Star Wars movies so I removed 10 of them but in order just because I think this is funny these are apparently the most common to the original Star Wars movie of Star Wars to the le- uh, least. So the order would go, Star Wars The Force Awakens is the most like Star Wars, then episode that is very one. true. Yeah. Then episode one, The Phantom Menace, Empire Strikes Back, Rogue One, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, The Last Jedi, Attack of the Clones, Rise of Skywalker, and then Solo. Where was A New Hope? This is a new hope. That this is, is Star that Wars. Is a new oh, hope. Star right, Wars. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, right, right. I'm, yeah, like, yeah. Hold, I'm like waiting for my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, well, when you guessed, you already got yeah. it. <laughs> All right. You ready for round two? Yeah. Yes. I'm All right. In. Round two goes Poseidon, The Perfect Storm, 
The Notebook, The Poseidon Adventure, which, to be clear, that's the original movie, and Poseidon was the remake. Um, And then the last one is The Legend of 1900, which is a movie I've never heard of, and I can explain what it is, because I think the premise of it is really cool if you guys don't know what that movie is. I want to hear about it, but I want to make my guess first, and that's Titanic. I I was was also going to say Titanic, because obviously... I'm going to go Clash of the Titans. That was a secondary guess just based on titles. Maybe the algorithm's weird. Yeah, um, Clash of the Titans is not starting top 25, but yes, it's Titanic. I had to remove A Night to Remember, the 1953 version of Titanic, and the 1996 version of Titanic. Couldn't they have just, like, made the door a little smaller so everyone wouldn't be pissed for 20 years? (laughs) Well, let me tell you, James Cameron has just released, I believe, an hour-long special explaining exactly why everyone is wrong to be yelling about that because james cameron is still upset he's being argued but but the fact that she didn't try okay (laughs) that's the issue because any normal person looks at that and assumes maybe there's enough space to like give it an effort you know if you're gonna cry about someone dying but you don't put a maximum effort to save them should you really be crying I am in, uh, I'm gasping right now. Not not you, because I'm looking at The Legend of 1900, and now I need to look up just to make sure I wasn't wrong. This might be a movie that does feature um, Titanic as a character, as I say. So let me uh, let me double check, even though I will then explain what it is. I'm just curious if it does actually take place on the Titanic. No, it does not. It's just, it's a fictional film. But, okay, so The Legend of 1900 is about a baby boy that is discovered on a ship, an ocean liner, and they name him 1900 for some reason, but Tim Roth plays 1900, and everyone else in it is actors I do not... Oh, Bill Nunn's in it, too. As a baby? Or no, like this is later? 1998. This is 1998. <laughs> Same year as Titanic, I believe. Isn't Titanic 98? Yeah, sure. but when does Tim 1900 take place? 1900. He's born in 1900. That's why they name him 1900. So that's why I saw, thought when it said, years later, the ship might be destroyed. I was like, is the ship Titanic? Is ship... <laughs> like, was he born on Titanic while they were building it and he just hung out for 12 years? The good years Oh, and he's a piano Titanic. player. No one talks about the good years of the Titanic. Everyone wants to focus on the, the iceberg, okay? We had the some iceberg. good times. No one talks about the conga line a week before the iceberg hit, but that, that was a moment for sure. All right, you ready for the last round? Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Your final five films are Justice League, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man 2, Thor Ragnarok, Suicide Squad. I'm going to send a very safe guess, Avengers. I'm going to guess Ant-Man 3. Spider- I, but Spider-Man no can't home. be Spider-Man. Yeah, I was going to say No Way Home, but... Wait, wait, it it can't feature... So if I say Avengers, that can't be right, though, because there are characters in Avengers that are featured in those titles that you said? You'd be correct if you'd like to rescind your guess, because Thor is in Avengers, so it can't be Avengers. Can you relist the five, then? Yes. Justice League, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man 2, Thor Agnarok, Suicide Squad. Mark, you're still guessed for Ant-Man 3, right? Wakanda Forever. All right, your guess is Wakanda Forever? Okay. Every week we guess Wakanda forever. I mean, I uh, I do I did say I intend to um, rewatch it at some point. So, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. No, All right. Doctor Strange, because that Doctor Strange first one. 
Okay. It doesn't happen. So, Mark, Ant-Man 3 is not in the top 25. Wakanda Forever is not in the top 25. And you said original Doctor Strange? Original, yeah. Also not in the top 25. Now you get the year. 2015. Wow, I really thought I had it in Ant-Man 3. Because I thought you sent me that picture of MODOK. Unless I just am seeing that around. 2015. This is. A I mean, it's very possible I've seen Ant-Man 3. It's just that... I have seen Ant-Man 3. It's not even a joke. I have seen Ant-Man 3. It's just not this movie. <laughs> unfortunate. It is unfortunate I saw Ant-Man 3. Side note. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't a fan. <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse. I'm going to guess Days of Future Past. Oh, man. What's the... No, I just I want to say... I just really want to bring up Black Widow. Black Widow? <laughs> yeah, I can't remember right. any of the movies then in 2015 that weren't Spider-Man, so... So, X-Men Apocalypse, not in the top 25. Okay. X-Men Days of Future Past, not in the top 25. And Black Widow, not in the top 25. So next, your hint is five additional movies, which basically will give you five, like, you know, potential franchises to rule out. So, okay. And then I'll do a recap for the listeners at home after of I the say ten, the five yeah. additional. So, five additional movies are Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider-Man, Venom, the Amazing Spider-Man 2, Shazam. So the 10 films are Justice League, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man 2, Thor Ragnarok, Suicide Squad, Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider-Man, Venom, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Shazam. I'll guess the third Batman movie. That's not Dark even Knight correct Rises, because you mean? of Justice League. Yeah, well, I'll guess Dark Knight Rises. Okay. But like not the parts with Batman in them. Okay, just the Bane, the Bane solo you've know, always man, wanted. It's, it's incredible that you started with Justice League. It makes it so difficult. And Justice League rolls out so much of the DC universe because you can't say the Suicide Squad movies because Batman appears and Joker appears and or like just. Ooh, actually, I'm gonna lock in the Fantastic Four movie where the director complained about it. That's a good one. Oh, Josh Trank's okay. The 2015 one. Got I'm it. I'm locking okay. in Deadpool. Deadpool, okay. And then, Thomas, do you have something to lock in? Gotta be Marvel's... Jump on the Deadpool train. <laughs> Deadpool 2, from the All same right. year as Deadpool 1. <laughs> Alright, so... Fantastic Four flopped one is not in the top 25. Deadpool, not in the top 25. Wow. And Deadpool 2 is not in the top 25. Which means you guys will get the first build actor, which is gonna make one of you feel probably pretty dumb. Because the first build actor in this movie is Paul Rudd. Oh, my. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, the first Ant-Man. I didn't know that it was yeah. so close on the heels yeah. of Avengers. See, he said Ant-Man 3, and I immediately ruled out the other Ant-Man movies. Like, that's... Well, wait, wait, wait. You guys don't know which Ant-Man it is. It could be Ant-Man 1 or Ant-Man 2. You, I need your guests locked it in. Oh, Ant-Man 1. I'm locked. Two. Yeah, I'm also on that. Like, how many Ant-Man have there been? There's been three Ant-Man. Yeah, I'm, it's one I'm for 2015. One. Thomas, are you down for one, two, too? Two would have come out... 2016 or 2018 or like somewhere but like yeah but yeah I'll stick to my guns on the that movie because I actually did see that movie in theaters so I might as well give it a shout to you are all all right it is Ant-Man 1 Ant-Man 1 came out the same year as Avengers Age of Ultron um because the post-credit scene sets up Civil War um I was gonna say Ultron interesting about Ant-Man 2 is that Ant-Man 2 came out 
after Infinity War, as if anyone wanted to see it. Well, actually, I actually think, having now seen all three Ant-Man movies, I think the second one is the only one I actually like, so... Yeah, they did choose a rough time to release it, though, for sure. Yeah. I didn't but, care at that point. After, I'm gonna be honest, Infinity War dominates Endgame in terms of quality, plot, and I everything for me. disagree. For me. I have hot, I have hot takes Fight. on them. Ooh. Okay, well, I think, and well, okay, you know, this is actually really cool that we can talk about this because my our po- my Marvel podcast never actually got to Infinity War and Endgame. Like, right. we just never got around <laughs> to it doing episodes on them because we assumed it was going to be going on forever, and obviously those movies would always be there. And then we just ended our podcast before we got around to it. I think Infinity War and Endgame both do a lot of interesting ideas to handle the the fact that you're like we're making an Avengers movie that has about twenty five different heroes that we want to all give adequate screen time to. And I think they handle them both very differently. Um, Infinity War does the idea that it's basically three movies smashed together. And nothing really... I, my issue of Infinity War, and this is what I'll always say, even though I should rewatch it because I haven't rewatched it since WandaVision came out. But the entire Earth stuff is dependent on you caring about Wanda and Vision. And at that time, their characters had not been developed to the point where I would give a shit about that. So the entire time they're like, Vision... You gotta give up this. You gotta kill Vision. I'm like, okay, so just kill him. Like, there's, I have no reason to be connected to this character because we've spent no time with him. But they're like, no, we can't sacrifice a robot. And it's like, that entire part of the story does not work for me. And that's a third of the entire film. Whereas Endgame goes for this inch, more of an interesting structure where it's basically three mini movies taped together, and I like all three of them to different degrees. But, like, I think it just works better as a whole because I can sit down and just watch it. Whereas Infinity War, I'm forced to cut back to the stuff that I don't like because you can't just skip over the Earth stuff. Endgame, it's like, hey, if you don't want to watch the time travel stuff right now, well, you can just turn it off right here. Or you just want to watch the end. You know, like, it has very clear act breaks. Okay. The third one. Sure. Endgame. So that's See, why I like Endgame more. See, and, you know, it's funny. We have, op- like, differing views but the same issues with disliking this part of the movie that, in our opinion, takes too much of the movie up. For me, I didn't come to see a time travel movie. And and so much of Endgame is time travel, and also much of Endgame is grieving over and, le- and rehearing about things I've heard about for 18 movies. And so a lot of it just felt Stuff like... Stuff people were talking about for the entire time... Like the movie's release exactly. schedule was unfolding. Exactly. So it just felt like I was hearing all the same things I had heard over and over again. So like the first part of the movie, I'm just I'm just waiting to get to what I know is going to be the big release, which is the fight, and it was great, but it just wasn't it for me. I really loved Infinity because I as someone who is a comic book nerd, I cared about Wanda and Vision. But um no, I just thought the pacing of it, it to me it, it felt it was a full like everything came together in the movie and Infinity War or in Endgame did feel like to me three different movies like you said uh, but in Infinity War it did feel like a lot but it did feel to me like it was all in the same if that makes much sense I just wasn't able to keep up with Endgame and stay into it as much as Infinity War because the action was paced throughout the movie rather than a big build up to it all at the end is anyone here... And I'm not going to spoil Ant-Man 3, okay? But the, the, can I talk about Ant-Man 3 very briefly in relation to Endgame? I've fallen out of the MCU so much you can talk about everything. I, I There's too much to keep up with for me at this well, point. 
I'm not going to spoil Ant-Man 3 because listeners, but you're okay, oh, for um, sure, yeah. Thomas? Yeah, does Modoc die? Yeah, he yes, does. For the but Modoc is, Modoc's great. Modoc's the best part of the movie. Oh, uh, I imagine. <laughs> I love Modoc. I'm so happy uh, with the screen. Well, first off, my hot take on Ant-Man as a sub-franchise is I hate the... I actually think the new one is better than the first one. I really don't like the first Ant-Man movie at all. It bores me. But the one part of the first Ant-Man movie... I, this was not what I was going to talk about, but I will talk about because you brought up Modoc. The one part of the first Ant-Man movie I love that no one, like, I think Corey Stoll as the bad guy in the first Ant-Man movie is fantastic. He is so hammy in the first Ant-Man that it's like, I get excited whenever he's on screen. Because he's like, it'd be a lot easier to shoot you if you were bigger. That's like, I love when, like, comic book villains just go, like, full ham. Like, I think of Zod and Man of Steel where he's like, where'd you train on a farm? Like, I need... I need more villains like that you in know, my comic book movies. <laughs> honestly, what I love, I love it when comic book movies are so straight up like the comics. And that's why I think there's such a huge love for the movie Sin City. Uh, because it is, there's a lot of like, like it's, it's such a weird cult following of people who enjoy that movie. Because it's it's like the lines that, the overarching, like the, the dialogue that you hear the main actors saying... It's like what would be happening in a comic book as everything's moving and pacing and there's like classic comic book action sequences. It just the, – I enjoy watching that movie because I was like that is like a comic book in a movie format, you know? I I am not big on Sin City, but I will say similarly to Sin City in aesthetic oh, – well, not aesthetic because obviously Sin City is black and white. But Scott Pilgrim versus the world – and, um, oh, and I'm not saying I love Sin City. I just enjoyed, oh, no, no, no. It. I enjoyed it for what it was, which was yeah, and true. Then animation-wise, of course, Spider-Man is the Spider-Verse. It's like both these things take a lot of like, we're trying to actually put the comic on screen. Yeah. But to talk about Ant-Man Big 3. Big Lee's the Hulk fans up in here. I've been meaning to watch it for literally like six months, and I just have not gotten around to like being like, this is the movie I'm watching today. I tried in March, or not March, in like November. It's, it's March. It's right now I tried in like October to finally watch it and then I just started falling asleep when the first because I watched it on Hulu so the ad break came up and I just started falling asleep and I was like uh, not right now you know I don't want to I don't want to be struggling to stay awake during this because I'm tired which movie is this uh Ang Lee's Hulk with Eric Bana from 2003 oh, oh it like yeah. has uh it like moves I, the, from what I saw I know what you're talking about though Mark because I saw like the first 10 minutes and it will be like it will pan and it'll be like a comic book split screen as it like moves around the space of editing. The thing that shocks me the most about Ant-Man 3 is like it's supposed to set up the new big bad of the Marvel movies, like the new Thanos, Kang. Kang, yeah. And it was And big. I'm I'm very I was on board with it on with Loki when I had my Marvel podcast, but now that I watch Ant-Man 3, I'm like this seems like a really bad place to put all your eggs in because it's like he wants to destroy all the multiverse, like uh, so many different, he's killed so many multi universes out there. I'm like, okay, but like the way uni- multiverse rules are set up in your world, and in, in pretty much anything that uses like multiverse theory, which I know is a bunch of bullshit anyway. But it's like in any universe where Kang destroyed it, there is another universe where he lost, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is the whole idea of what multiverses are: is that like any split decision you make can make a new universe. So the idea of like, oh, he killed it, is like that means nothing to me. Uh, but moreover, the bigger issue, and this is the spoiler of the movie, I guess, is that he dies at the end of the movie, like this version of Kang. So it's like, okay, so if Ant-Man can beat him on his own, 
Like, how am I supposed to take yeah, him seriously as and, a threat? <laughs> well, what I think they should do, and what would be so cool, and they've done with, like, a little... I think they did it with a phone app. You know that Contest of Champions phone app? Marvel Contest of Champions? Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. I've heard I don't it, but know, I know why they don't, like, do a whole character arc type thing with that, where they have, like... The like, cause that's that's a whole new style of Marvel that they could do instead of the basic. Here's the heroes; they have to fight the villain to save the planet. They could do here's the heroes that have been kidnapped to fight each other for I've, intergalactic amusement, like Planet Hulks. I, I think that's what they're building to. I think that's what Secret isn't that what Secret Wars is? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not a comic I don't know reader. if they're gonna fully go into it. I don't because they do not like to get away from the basic hero format of saving a group of people which is what a hero has to do which isn't what makes comic books good all the time you know because they they that's yeah. what all of the movies in every single one of the movies there has been a person or people to save in in, in a manner of speaking like there, there's been and it's never just been about the hero's survival and need to get through something. It's always about, I gotta make it through this for this character. I have to do it for these people instead of, I have to do this so I don't die. That's what I want to see with a superhero. I want to see something about survival, which is not seen often. Which I think, when you pit superheroes against each other, it can do that. Because I feel like every superhero movie nowadays is is just, how are they going to save People. Y'all, we got to talk about some surfing penguins. Oh, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> you got way into Marvel. Mar- Mark's like, Jerk po- Marvel podcast is canceled, Danny. Stop it. <laughs> I don't want to cancel it. You got to work that out on your own. I'm just like, the, t- <laughs> the clock is ticking. We got to talk about surfing penguins. All right. But first, we have to ask our guests questions about Pixar very briefly. Cause... What's your relationship to surfing penguins? Mark, they were supposed to ask about Pixar, not about penguins yet. Okay. This is not a pen cast. So what's it's y'all's relationship cast. to Pixar? It's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it was like we had so many movies in our film cabinet whenever we were kids that I I didn't realize the fact that it was like this legendary property. And then since then, I I had this natural tendency to kind of want to go to, away from what was popular. And I had, like, a shaky relationship with Disney Pixar until high school when we got into, like, musical theater. And I was like, well, what's the best way to just incorporate music into your life is, like, deep dive into Disney. And that's that's when I got interested in it was, like, whenever I got a greater appreciation for stories. And I was like, well, I want to go to college to become a storyteller. So Do I you remember think, what the first... Yeah. Oh, sorry. The first one? That That's... It's it's too far back because, like I said, I didn't realize that it was a special thing, so I don't have like that one special memory like some people might have. I mean, other people have had this experience of going to see something for the first time in the theater, but I think you and me just kind of had them around all the time. Yeah, I used to be afraid of going to the movie theater, like That's it was true. too like big or too scary so even if it was a movie like oh man what's the one with all the birds valiant birds uh, valiant like, <laughs> there's a, a deep a cut movie, <laughs> like, valiant would be too intense for me to see in theaters, i'm sorry can we can we take a second to appreciate what's that movie with the birds oh the birds no valiant <laughs> <laughs> I was the like, birds. the wow. Alfred, I, I think Alfred about that movie a lot. I, I, have, I have seen the birds. That was 
one of my favorite Pixar movies, The Birds. Oh, I was thinking the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Yeah. There's him and his Pixar. No, Pixar. 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 Hitchcock yes. X Pixar. Yeah. I like Nemo, so that's my long drawn out answer. Uh, but no, well, I Well, but yeah, yeah, yeah talk about your, like your your beginnings with Pixar. Mine was 100% Finding Nemo. 100%. Um I just love that movie since I was a little kid and it came out. But, you know, it's just so hard to like really truly know the beginning because when I was a kid I loved Shrek, I loved Finding Nemo, I loved Disney, I loved it all, you know? It's um hard to know what was first. But I feel like Finding Nemo excuse me, Finding Nemo definitely shaped what I appreciate about Pixar. Uh, like how I came to love the animation and the beauty of it and the vast amazing ocean that they create that is I didn't I mean I scuba dived last year recently and I didn't even realize how well of a job that they do at recreating like real ocean life and how a reef would look in a in an animated kids movie um and I also truly love going back to watch these movies as an adult because you get to appreciate all of the humor that was put in there for the adults that the kids don't understand that really makes you appreciate how Pixar movies I don't know if they do it nearly as much nowadays but they used to be made not just for kids but do you I mean Thomas do you have adult Pixar memories yeah I was gonna say I don't have like an old classic that I go back to but my new favorite is definitely Coco that's like where I was like this is this is a it's a popular one also, I really be. like Dia de los Muertos, so everything about Coco, it just hits all the right. Like, I want that dog. I love the dog. I, I want to go to that place. I want to die and have that be what happens. Like, that'd be cool. Instead of just, if there if there's going to be the, the conversation about what happens after you die, or you get to watch Coco, and that's it. I want to watch Coco. <laughs> I was not expecting this answer to go to. So uh, I like so that. But, I, I like that. But replace Coco with Frasier. Or yeah. <laughs> or instead of like going and being in that undead world, just yeah, watching the content over and over and over again for eternity. Oh, if that's the underworld, you just get to sit back, relax, and guilt-free watch all of the. Sh- all the stuff you just were wanting to you watch. You get for forever. your backlog. Like, oh my gosh, like, that'd be that, so great. That sounds <laughs> outrageously nice. That sounds better than what heaven could be because, wow, I have so many shows that I want to watch just so people can say, did you watch this? And I'd be like, yes, I did, okay? Because oh everyone's got a I, show. I don't know because I just had an image of me in the afterlife. So, someone finally walking up to me like, so did you finally watch Sopranos? I'd be like, oh... <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> You'd get backlogged in the afterlife too. It's there's so much stuff coming out. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Like on my couch, I get up from watching Coco, and I come over to you, and I'm like, "You still haven't watched Sopranos? What's wrong with you? Have you not seen Sopranos? I just, I just watched Sopranos. You I, should watch the Sopranos. Did you just watch it too? Yeah. Oh, did you just watch it? Me and mom like just watched the Sopranos. Wow, that's crazy, because I'm yeah. not sure that I, like, mentioned that to y'all, but I also just finished watching The Sopranos. I have not watched The Sopranos. <laughs> uh, I like it when Cody Maverick is a gang boss. Um, but just to not get too far away from the surf sub. Like, it's still in there somewhere, but... Uh, Seamless transition. Yeah, watch Sopranos. 
I, I'll be honest. The, the the first thing I'll watch and I die, and then I get the backlog in front of me will probably be The Wire because that's the one that people are always like, "When are you gonna watch The Wire?" And I'm like, "Actually, do you want to watch The Wire?" <laughs> like, I wanna, I'm, like I'm gonna Wire. do I'm gonna do One Piece. <laughs> oh yeah. Baby. Then we have another question for you guys. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, actually, wait. First off, Mason, before we ask this question, do you have like an adult favorite for Pixar movies? Because I know Thomas said Coco. Do you have one? Oh, Up. Going back to watch, it's Up. Mm. I, I can watch that movie and be happy every time. Gosh, gosh, Pixar just kept putting out good ones, too. They they could have stopped after Toy Story 3, though. No, because then we lose the best Cars movie. <laughs> I would have been fine without Toy Story 4, is all I'm saying. I don't know. Well, you're you getting a fifth one. Did you guys talk about Soul yet on this show? Oh, we only talk about stuff in passing. We're going in order. So I we've talked. Seen Soul. Soul comes up occasionally. you got to see Soul. I That's know. A heater. Johnny loves talking about Soul, our friend Johnny. Oh, Johnny's a music man, so anything oh. musical. Anything with a note in it, he's like, oh, well, let me. Let me also. Just get, let me tell you about that. Also, I feel like movies like Finding Dory and Monsters University, while they obviously, I don't think they ever could have lived up to the hype of the first movies, I think they were really great considering how long it took for them to make another one and like all of the aspects that are going to go into the delay of making a movie that much later and keeping it good. I will say this about Soul, first thing, is um, with Soul, I think it's interesting because I think you said earlier you don't know how Pixar movies currently tackle adult jokes or adult topics and one the recurring thing we say about soul on this show is that we do not understand how kids can get anything out of it like it is a movie that is it's a movie that's like primarily like there is a cat that apparently sometimes gets in the slapstick but that is it for children there is nothing else in that movie that children can get out of i think we as adults have a different take as to what kids like than kids do because when i was a kid I mean, I guarantee you you sit half the kids down and say, you're going to watch a dramatic movie with your mother. This should be fun, right? I was eight years old, and Sophie's Choice, my mom, like, I asked her, I was like, what's Sophie's Choice? And she let me watch it, and I enjoyed that movie as an eight-year-old child. I was, like, torn up, I cried, but, like, I just don't think we as adults can comprehend that kids like some stuff that we wouldn't expect at all and i think that plays into movies as well yeah you say that but and i i think what you're saying is valid but you need to remember that i me and thomas are both coming at this from the perspective that we work with these children that's true ergo i was actually about to give an example from watching kids watch ratatouille they were like totally silent the whole movie like relatively silent for a kids in a cafeteria just sitting around watching a movie but like broke into uproarious laughter for just the moment whenever he dumps the wine on his head when him and Remy are like trying to get their skills down and they're in his apartment they're like making spaghetti and he just keeps like messing it up when he dumps the wine on his head and douses Remy room went insane like an hour into this movie like no feedback Kids at the beginning, like when, some of them are like, "Should we? Is this too violent? There's guns." And I'm like, "That's a good point." In Ratatouille, that's a good point. Yeah, there's a gun in Ratatouille. We all starts with a gun. Yeah, like right at the beginning, oh, yeah. she pulls out the she gun. She does pull out a shotgun. But we also watch Thor Ragnarok with those kids, and Thor like rips. I would not be allowed to show that. Loses an eye, and then rips <laughs> demons in half, and I'm he like, he loses an eye in that movie. <laughs> um, what I was gonna say also, with kids, is that at work this week. Um, 
one of my kids told me that over the past week in second grader, she went to go see Missing, the new, like, um, screen life horror. Like, you know, it's like one of those movies where it's like, everything's happening on a computer screen. And I was like, huh, why did you see that? I literally said to this kid, I'm like, why did you see that and not like Puss in Boots? And then I found out eventually it was because her sister wanted to see Ant-Man with like a friend. So her mom had to take her to a different movie because... You know, when you're hanging out with a friend, you don't want to be... You're, you don't want the mom in the same theater and your little sister in the same theater. And Missing was the only time that worked. And I was like, wow. Like, kind of impressed your mom didn't just take you out to, like, ice cream or something for an hour and a half. Like... When, when the you John said, Cho Missing? No. Well, yes, it's a sequel to Searching. See, when, um, you, said, but, when you said Missing... John Cho is in Searching. Missing is, like, a new... It's set in the world of Searching, but it has no returning characters. Wait, That's all. Wait, when you said... <laughs> missing my mind went to like maybe they got sick of saying Taken 4 and Taken 5 and they came up with a really lazy sequel missing name is, for Liam Neeson's Missing movies. is just like about this girl who it's about this teenage girl who mom goes missing in Colombia but it's all told for like her computer screen. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's like a thriller. It's just like um, I can just imagine that though like a, an action movie with Liam Neeson his daughter's not taken she's just missing so there's no plot <laughs> he's just looking for his daughter. My daughter's missing. <laughs> I, I can't I, I, don't I thought, know where she I thought is. missing was good. I recommend it as someone who likes those types of movies where it's like oh it's a cool gimmick it's all on a computer screen. But, yeah. And now we get to take a look at some surfing penguins. What is? Uh, when did this come out? What's its deal? Give us well, some stats. Well, first off, this is a detour! Whoa! Whoa! I like that. I, I presume you two both don't know what I'm talking about when I say it's a detour. So. I'm, I'm writing. <laughs> a detour means this is a film that's not made by Pixar, but we're covering it because Ash Brannon co-directed Toy Story 2, and then he went on to direct two other films that are nowhere near as well-known as Toy Story 2. First of which being Surf's Up, a major ocean picture, which now that I see that's on the poster, I want to solely refer to it as Surf's Up, a major ocean picture. <laughs> I never call it just Surf's Up on this podcast. Um, Surf's Up came out in 2007 on June 8th. It, I, I have no idea what it was expected to the box office, but I would say looking at its box office, this is kind of a bomb. Um, it made less than $100 million, which is not good for a CGI animated movie. <laughs> it would not qualify for the Letterboxd Game of Guess. I think part of the reason it bombed, what I'd have to imagine, would be that it opened a couple weeks after Shrek 3 and a couple weeks before Ratatouille. Ergo, oh, the wow. family audience was very satisfied at this point in time. It should have opened before Shrek 3, considering it was a better movie than Shrek 3. It definitely should be... I don't know why it's a summer... I mean, I get it because it's surfing... But, like, this feels like an April movie to me. You yeah. know, like, the movie that comes out beginning of April tides over the kids a bit while they're waiting for the Christmas, like the summer movies to come out. It definitely isn't a, yeah, let's put this out, like, in the middle of summer. It's going to be huge. It, that was it, a really good impression of the tank guy, I feel like. I, I'm giving myself yeah. for that. I, Peter, Bader? I, yeah, I, I love Bader. Yeah, I just yeah. love referring to actors by, like, niche movies that they're in. You're like, oh, you're talking about, oh, Shia LaBeouf from Surf's Up and Ocean Motion Pictures. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Jason <laughs> Surf's Up. Or, or, or hey, like, I, oh, uh, Kelsey Grammer from uh, Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the, the actual funny thing to be like, oh, yeah, James Wood, controversial actor, but he's a really great voice actor for um, um, Surf's Up. Like yeah. saying that instead of Hercules is legit, <laughs> would legitimately be hilarious yeah. to me. <laughs> like, but okay, 
Surface Up comes out in 2007. June does not do hot at the box office, but it does kind of become this movie that I think, much like any anime movie that comes out when you're a child, like, there are people who will be like, yeah, this is great. And maybe you guys are, I don't know, we're not getting into that yet. But it gets nominated for an Oscar, obviously loses to Ratatouille, gets a direct-to-video sequel ten years later. So, ergo, I gotta assume it did well, like, you know, on DVD. But I think the interesting thing here more is that it is the second film released by Sony Pictures Animation, after, of course, Open Season. And I think what's interesting about Open Season and Surf's Up is that Here's my here's some hot takes on Sony Pictures Animation, which I don't think is something that people really have hot takes on. I think most people forget both Surfs Up, like animation people forget Surfs Up and Open Season exist because Clive for Chance Meatballs is so much more of a like artistic statement of a movie. I feel like maybe this is just me talking as someone who did not really grow up as Open Season or Surfs Up, but I Clive think that's exactly it. But go on. I well, agree. I think I think with me or with Mark. Oh, with, with well, with both of you. I think Cloudy is super gorgeous looking, but I think Open Season is a much better movie. As someone who grew up watching both of them, I adored Open Season for the characters, for the setup, for everything about it. And Cloudy was great, but I was just like, it's more purdy than great to me. I want to I want to clarify something with what I mean, which is one. I think Cloudy is a better movie. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is more Cloudy sets, like, the house style of, of Sony. Because Cloudy is followed up by Hotel Transylvania, like, the Smurfs, Emoji. You know what I mean? Like, these movies all kind of look like Clive Chance Meatballs do, like, in how the, like, the characters are more cartoony. Whereas I think Surf's Up and Open Season are more of a typical, like, this is a CGI animated movie. That's all I meant by that. It's mm. like, I think Cloudy oh, yeah. sets the I house totally style. I can see that I can see, I can see what you mean by that, because the yeah. style is clearly different in Cloudy. It's clearly a little yeah. bit more... Like a little bit more like bubble text than the other. Exactly. Yeah. And I I think that's where Sony's style generally stays. Even with Spider Verse, right? I think the character models in Spider Verse clearly follow like the cloudy setup. I think the other bit of like historical thing is like, you know, why are we all here? And I wanted y'all to be on because when we were younger, we had a copy of Surf's Up in the house. Yes. So we had the DVD, so we can actually review the DVD. I don't know why. I checked out the DVD like, from the library. Oh my gosh! Whoa! I did need to watch, watch the Chub Chubs. The Chub Chubs save no, Christmas. No, not this DVD. This DVD is just the Chub Chubs. Oh Chub my Chub gosh! You just unlocked a dark oh. memory. Oh my gosh! The Chub Chubs. Chubs. It just says the Chub Chubs. The Chub okay. Chubs. I'm gonna lose my. Mind. I should have watched. Like I literally, because okay, when I check out DVDs from the library that have shorts on it, I generally keep them around so I can just watch the short because it's like, well, I have it on me. So oh, I, I am going to. I, I do fully intend to watch the Chub Chubs. I oh just have not done it yet. Dude. Why <laughs> can't we be friends, bro? Oh my gosh! Just looking at these old animated clips. This is so much nostalgia. All at once. Well, I thought Jeremiah I thought this episode might be about the Chub Chubs, but if you haven't watched I, the Chub Chubs, no, I'm no sorry. worries. I, well, I wa- I, I'm sure I watched the Chub Chubs way back, like in 07. You know what I mean? I'm sure I've seen this. But I cannot talk about it right now because I've not rewatched the Chub Chubs. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's fine. I just think that part of the viewing experience of watching Surfs Up, because I have no memory of seeing this in theaters, and I think you know we had the DVD, so we were watching that and the Chub Chubs, and you'd like go back and forth or whatever. I do remember that penguins, and specifically the rock hopper penguin which is the kind of penguin that cody is oh, yeah. w- was my favorite animal and i think that's why we own this movie i'm not sure that i like 
knew about it before then. Yeah, we were, we were definitely, like, we gravitate toward the birds, definitely toward the penguins. I don't know much about birds. I just remember that one of my friends went to the St. Louis Zoo one time and shoved a penguin under his shirt. That happened. Cool. He almost Great. got away with it too. Just, that's all I got. That's my We're story. Not only kids. That's my story about penguins. <laughs> well, I actually do think before I, I don't want to be like I think this is part of the historical background is penguins. Is that Surf's Up kind of is the end of the penguin movement in cinema? March of the Penguins comes out in two thousand five, which. Is wow, I believe that's way the later than I thought. the second biggest documentary ever in the U.S. after, of course, Fahrenheit 9/11. But March of the Penguins comes out in 05. Obviously, does really well for a documentary. Everyone talks about March. Everyone sees March of the Penguins next year. Happy Feet comes out, wins the Oscar, beats Cars. So Surfs Up is coming out as kind of this movie where it's like another Penguin movie after Happy Feet. And it's also clearly, I think, I, I would have to actually look, I haven't really looked into production this movie, but either it's an insanely happy coincidence they decided to make a mockumentary about penguins after the biggest documentary in memory, yeah. besides the political documentary, is about penguins, or it is purposely riffing off a of March of the Penguins. But also I'm like, ooh, the lead, t- I feel like, I, I assumed March of the Penguins also earlier, because we know animation takes so long to do. That it's like, how is this made so quickly after March of the Penguins? Well, wasn't uh, this also Madagascar time? Like, I always thought that it yes, came Madagascar after Madagascar. Is, Madagascar is also 05. So, and Madagascar is, you're correct, Madagascar also cashes in on that penguin. I think, is Madagascar pre-March of the Penguins? But Mar- uh, Madagascar is also kind of a dumb thing. It, do- it is not dependent on the penguins to be big. March of the Penguins and Madagascar come out around the same time. They're both summer 05. And now I have this conspiracy theory that, you know, like the MCU was doing movies and then pivoted to television. The yeah. Penguin Cinematic Universe was doing all these movies and then pivoted to television with the Penguins Nickelodeon show. And you know oh what also That's with so the true. Penguins is that I remember in 2019, back when I first had A-List, I did try to see absolutely everything with my AMC A-List. Now I don't do that because it's like, I don't, I don't need to sit through everything. And... Avengers Endgame came out in April 2019, big Disney release, but two weeks before Avengers Endgame was a little other Disney movie titled Penguins, which was one of their nature documentaries. And it's just really interesting also just to see, like, the fact that that happened, you know, I, I get it was so long after March of the Penguins, but just the whole idea of, like, yeah, let's try to do March of the Penguins again is just kind of like, what? <laughs> like, you're never going to be able to do March of the Penguins again. It was March of the Penguins. First or second year of college, and on my dorm floor, people would just get together in one of the dorm rooms, as you do, and one of the nights they were watching freaking Surf's Up. And I was like, you guys are amazing. And that was about the best thing that ever happened to me on that floor, is that we watched Surf's Up, because I, I was just so nostalgic for that movie. But the second one, I like, I, 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 I'm never, some things like, you revisit after coming back to for a long time, you're disappointed. But Surf's Up, nothing about it to me is disappointing. Like, it can miss the mark and be better, but it's just so, it pulls so many trump cards and has so many tropes going to, like, the maximum that I cannot help but enjoy the film. That was my thought about rewatching it, as I was like, 
I don't want to come in here and be super negative because I have very positive memories of watching the film. It's a very solid movie, and I had a good time, and I would love to, like, tear it apart and all that sort of thing. But, like, I, I do... It just works. They play to all the, uh... I, all the stereotypes, and it, it just... It just fits in the characters, and it doesn't seem like it's overdone. Like, Chicken Joe is like, so over-the-top, clearly a stoner surfer dude, but it doesn't seem overdone, and Tank is obviously the big macho guy. It's just, it all seems like they're supposed to be like that. And it's like an island setting, but I don't feel like it's ever handled, like, misappropriately, because I know that that can, like, bring Well, I, I the... disagree about that, but... Where, well, where do you think it's, like, egregious? Because that's interesting. Well, now now we get into this thing about, like, what kind of tropes do we accept. I, I was shocked rewatching this film because I forgot about the native penguins. And I was yeah. like, <laughs> all right, y'all. I, I will, I I will know, give slight... That's the thing. That's the thing. It's like... I just don't think this can, like, slide. I will say this about them, which is, one, I, I agree with the very, like, iffiness of them, but I do think the best executed joke in this entire movie is them, tr like, the like the way the taste like chicken joke is constructed throughout the film, that the eventual reveal of those native penguins tasting the squid and going, it tastes like chicken, so they don't need to kill Chicken Joe, is brilliant. I think that is the best, like, the way that it's built throughout the entire film, I was like, okay, that's really good, I like that. It's one of those things where I I was saying this off mic. I don't know if Mark's going to keep that in the episode or not. But, like, we were saying that the woman character in this is very underwritten. And it's like, well, it's a movie from our childhood. So there's probably something wrong with it, you know? And I think the native tribe and the woman character are both really rough in this. I think it's interesting how in this, how in the movie there's, like, a total of, like, seven different settings maybe which is like uh, a, a small amount because i mean save that money <laughs> yeah, well yeah they had to animate less but there's like there's antarctica z's shed the two different beaches and then like when they go through the woods they are this cost a hundred million dollars this caves. was a bomb that's, that's, <laughs> sorry go on it's like it's like crazy to me how they they have like six seven settings that they recycle and reuse and put in these scenes it's like two beaches woods z's house antarctica to be clear though also the movie without credits i believe is I, I checked i checked i believe it's 77 minutes without credits so it's, this is a very this is like you know one of those things where it's like ah nice we hit the we hit the mark we hit exactly where we need to be so feature length you know what i mean like that's all i mean it's like they they they, they get to it and you, I think the movie does definitely have, and they're they're good jokes, but it definitely has like filler jokes to hit that time, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah. Although I do love every single minute that Chicken Joe is the, on screen. The timing of the yum yum joke does it for me, and that it makes me want to like the the Islander penguins oh, who are problematic, the... but. Yeah, oh no! I still like that. I issue. still think they're funny. Like it, it's something where we, like yeah, I think. I think the stuff of it's like, oh yeah, they made me a great hot tub. I think that's hilarious. Like, I think um, I haven't really dropped my opinion on this movie because I'm a little tired of coming onto this show being negative towards something everyone else likes. But I did not like this. But I I'm trying to be more positive than usual. The Mark I tells me it. being negative gets more engagement. Uh, but <laughs> I've got something good to say about Lonnie. I to mix things up. I loved. 
the the absolute best character in the movie for me was the urchin that had three seconds of screen time. Oh yeah, that was a good joke. Give good it joke. the urchin. He stepped on me. This guy joke. was this guy was dancing on me. Fractured, 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 broken. That was just broken, it was broken, just, broken, fractured, broken. It's just it was just such, that was a really good bit. I think how they interviewed the urchin. It was so not expected either. That was just meant. They just they just throw it in there, and the way they use their nifty like we're a crew recording this yeah, like this they're, they're capitalizing on office fame well that's what what i'm just looking up is that um was the office on the air yeah the office yeah it was the office premiered two years prior okay yeah, yeah so because to me with the reason i brought the tropes it's like penguins meets the office meets cody is like this hyper protagonist who cares about nobody else meets surfing is cool Plus, when they have the part, like, the actual surfers speak up about the surfing, that's when I'm like, okay, this is a surfing movie. I'm totally here for it. My thing with the movie, and this is an issue I had, it's actually funny, because in this, the thing I'm about to say, it's in a way an asset of the film. I have a lot of issues with sports documentaries in general, where I sometimes am just like, what is the point to this? Why, Why do I care? And I think... That, as I said, I think this movie is somewhat struggling to hit that, like, 75-minute runtime so they can put it out in theaters. And a lot of it is just, like, vamping or, like, repetitive to me. But I do think the... I, I, I admire this film, even though I don't like it, because I think it is very ambitious in 2007 to release a major animated movie that's like, we are parroting documentaries and we are going to try to mostly stick with that, even though obviously there are some shots that like a documentary crew can never get. We're still going to keep that in the cinematic language of, oh, the camera's like zooming in everywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's very admirable of, of this movie. Even if the movie itself, I'm just kind of like, it's got good jokes occasionally, but I do, like Cody, everyone in this movie is an archetype, which is fine, I guess, if you grew up with it, but I, I never said that where my, I think this is an important thing for me to say with me being negative to the movie is my experience with this movie is when I was growing up, my local movie theater did this thing. I've mentioned this on the show before, but you guys obviously don't know because you haven't been on before. My movie, local movie theater did this thing where they would show like the previous season's movies for free, both an intermission they added in for it. So parents could go out and buy popcorn for their kids. Right. So the movie theater made all their money on their popcorn because obviously kids are going to be like, get me popcorn during the intermission, mom. So I did not see Surf's Up in its original run because Surf's Up, as I've already said, came out in between Shrek 3 and Ratatouille, which are the two that my family went to see that summer. So I saw Surf's Up once at the free movies. Thought it was fine. I was 12 at the time. So I was like, yeah, that was that was fun. That was cute. I, didn't, I probably didn't say it was cute because I was a 12-year-old boy, but you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, that was that was fun. I enjoyed that. I'm glad we went out for, for free. But then I have no actual, like, cultural memories with it, if that makes sense. No. I have no, fa- I have no fondness for Surf's Up, but I have no residual hatred for Surf's Up either. It just was a film that happened when I was a kid that I saw once. Do you remember where the intermission was? See, I was watching us trying to nail that. I think it had to be right after, like, I think it was when the... I, I wouldn't be able to exactly nail because as I said, this movie kind of... I think the second act of this movie has no plot. I didn't say that yet, but I do. And it, it, that, in a way, is an asset of the film, because that's kind of like what sports documentaries are. Like, you have the beginning where you set up your character, and you have the ending competition. And in the middle, is just like, oh, let's figure out what to do. 
I feel like they came back from intermission with the scene where Lonnie and Cody go on their sledding thing with the goose poop. I think that was the first thing back from intermission. So whatever scene is before that where they leave Z at the beach. Okay. I have to assume that was... That's my guess. But I also... You're going off 12... Like, that was in 2000... That was probably... This was probably, like, an October 2007 free movie. Because that's how long, you know, it was coming out in June 07. So... And I was 12. So who knows how well I'm remembering something from 15 years ago. So... But that that would be my guess. Sorry nice to come in with the negativity. I'm trying to be nicer even no, though I do I'm feel like I need to put my cards on the table. Reggie does any horrible things to people in like the extended universe of the show. Like if he ruins the island in some meaningful way, just to make like the world. Why do you a have like knowledge about Surfs Up? I didn't even know there was an extended universe. That's well, why I'm like, there's like what? two. So there's got there's like obviously more, but <laughs> the sequel is so like, like I think I think one thing we haven't really said about the sequel, even though. I, 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 we're not even talking around it, but the sequel is, it's a sequel, but it exists to market WWE. That is what Surf's oh. Up 2 is. It is a WWE advertisement. I enjoy the social commentary, though, about the entertainment world when it comes to Reggie. <laughs> like, it's just, and it's like so obvious and put right out there, but as a child, you're not noticing that, but as an adult, it's like, Oh yeah, this this dude is obviously he doesn't care about anyone. He doesn't care about his assistant. He's just there to make money because he knows he can by doing these things. Like that's I I enjoyed the social commentary because it, it felt based in real world uh, issues. You don't feel like in real life it's a little more subtle and insidious. Oh no, it is. But I just like how they didn't like sugarcoat it with Reggie because it's it, it has to be obvious with a character like Reggie for it to play in a Pixar movie. I want to talk about Reggie, but I want to first talk about that I opened up the Surf's Up 2 with Mania Wiki to see if Z was in it, right? Because I know, obviously, Jeff Bridges. They could not get Jeff Bridges for this direct-to-video sequel in 2017. So I'm like, okay, who'd they get to play Z? I see he's not. But speaking of, like, topical things that are not, like, good is that the end of this movie is that Vince McMahon invites Cody to join his team, but he refuses to abandon his friends and his item. His, the island. So Vince McMahon, impressed by Cody, what? decides not to retire. Vince McMahon. And I'm like, ooh, topical. Vince McMahon chooses not to retire. <laughs> and I think that was in the... As someone who does not follow WWE, I know that happened recently. Like, he returned. Well, I think Vince McMahon has, like, retired a few times. I'm not the biggest person on WWE lore, but that's kind of what he does because he's, like, the boss. Oh yeah, so. let me rephrase. Vince McMahon's last retirement, I know, was because he like got canceled slash charged with crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So him coming back this time was kind of like what? But Reggie, I want to talk about Reggie because yeah. I made a joke about this earlier, but I think it is also worth mentioning. Is James Woods is a problematic person in real life? However, I do think he is probably one of the best celebrity voice actors to ever do it. I think. His performance as Reggie is so entertaining. I was just uh, thinking to myself, like, why Reggie Belafonte is such a memorable character to me when he has nothing to do with Cody's plot at all? Like, he could be anybody else, but it's because he's Reggie and he has that voice and he has that personality that's like, it's Reggie, come on. 
Yeah. I remember the McDonald's toy. I remember I was hyped to get the Reggie toy. Like, come on. <laughs> I remember, you know, weirdly enough, I do remember the McDonald's toys twos for this. <laughs> Although I don't think I put this one in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> uh, Reggie didn't grade. have bite marks on it. It was not a good enough toy. I was 12 when this movie came out. I was still eating my <laughs> McDonald's toy. That was a problem. You know why I probably remember this was the McDonald's toy? Because my 12th birthday... Never mind, never mind. My 12th birthday party we're going to talk about next week. Uh, my sixth birthday party was at McDonald's. I don't know why I remember these toys. Yeah, I had my birthday party at McDonald's. Sounds awesome. Deal with it. Yeah, it was. They had we a cool play place. We should have had this conversation at McDonald's. <laughs> we just mm. all meet up. We all meet up at the McDonald's. <laughs> We're like, I'm playing. McDonald's in Ohio. <laughs> have we ever told the story about when we were, Danny, you and I were drunk at that burger place? And we were sitting by the people who were like shooting porn. No, you at know that's one of those. Place? That's one of the. Yeah. Actually, yeah, we should talk about that because that was something I was gonna bring up earlier when we were talking Is about that your related moves. to surf stuff though. I just was like, oh, if we were in a well, better no, no, place, no, well, we might it, run into other and, complications. It might not. It might not be related to surfs up, but it is related to Thomas moving to LA. Excellent. And the reason I say that is. The number one thing I feel like tourists say for you to eat at in LA, in my experience, has always been you gotta try In and Out. Yeah. You got. <laughs> and I, the last two times I've been to LA and I've had In and Out, I have been like, why? Why did I come here? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> you ate at the wrong one because people don't tell you the right one to go to. Somebody did ask me. There's a one. Today. There's not a specific one, but there's many wrong ones. That's the key. Yeah, I went to the one... I know the last time I went, I went to the one that was, like, in a walking distance of, like, downtown Hollywood. So I think that one was probably not good. You went on the one on well, Sunset, didn't you? To the one on Sunset? Horrible. Uh, maybe. Horrible. I'm not, I, I don't remember roads, but it literally was, like, a block from, like, the 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 Star Walk. The burger assembly there Romans. was horrendous. Last time I went, I couldn't tell the lettuce from, like, the paper that was supposed to wrap the burger because it was all covered in grease and it was, like, soaked into the burger. It was horrible. Never okay, but the time happen. before that, because I've been there twice in the last few years. So the time before that, I went to one. I don't. I obviously can't tell you where this one was, but it was not downtown LA. It was by um, the friend I was staying with's place. Okay. So, but that one I don't. I, I think it might have been. I don't know. I don't. It was by where they shot Terminator Two, because that's the guy who was driving. Was giving me like this is where they shot Terminator Two, the the truck scene. I was like, great, cool. So wherever <laughs> they shot Terminator Two, that's where I went in and out. <laughs> But, Mark, now with that lead, and we can tell the In-N-Out story, because who knows when In-N-Out will ever come up again. Because I do think well, it's Well, I basically told the In-N-Out story. That's the only thing about it. We, do you we think went penguins and... do porn? Like, do you think yeah, there are sure. penguins who shoot porn? Those penguins? Yeah, speaking of Look that... The, sorry, Mason, we were having... Like the penguins in that movie. Like, Z's We were having a conversation when, when we came back from the bathroom. I feel like... Zoe Deschanel in this movie is what people complain about her character in 500 Days of Summer being. Um, even though I think... Uh, I haven't, really, I haven't seen 500 Days of Summer since high school. So I can't really... That's a movie that I definitely should revisit before I like stand by my... Oh, five out of five take that high school Dan Lee gave it. But who knows if it's still that. Did we talk at all about how... like I know that sometimes it feels like they're vamping. But I just love dialogue that sounds I kind of improvised. I love yeah. I love banter. That's why I love Letterkenny. Can I? How about I the love joke at the beginning alive, where but mom the throws like up the fish? It is true. Letterkenny. The, the mom throwing up the fish is good. 
And they not great they that there's just, only two women in this movie being the mom and the girlfriend, but we've already we've indeed. already addressed that point. Um, but yes, the mom. Well, there's like those kid penguins. They, they, <laughs> well, there's the they show up to the island, and there's like the hula dancer penguins. We're, well, those kid penguins are two of them. We're girls. going really They're, fast. I'm sorry. I know it's good, but it's like I want to talk about the kids and Lonnie, and it's like, oh, we're moving on. No, I think. The thing that is with Lonnie that is weird to me, even because it, it's not in the film, but it feels like it's going to be in the film, is that I feel like you meet that kid who's constantly drowning, and you think it's going to be like in the Sandlot, where it's like he's drowning because he wants to be with the girl, but no, it's just he's a bad swimmer. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> no, I think he is. It is like the Sandlot because he definitely shoots Cody a dirty look when he's walking yeah. away from Lonnie during their yeah, meeting. but it's subtle. I haven't seen the Sandlot literally since I was a child, and it is weird, but I also feel like. So, at work recently, recently, as in, like, three or four months ago, my boss constantly is like, you can't show that to kids, it might be inappropriate. Like, I wasn't allowed to show the new Space Jam, because the trailer has him going, what, the Matrix hell, and that kids can't hear the word hell. But my Mm. boss was like, you know what was a great movie from when I was a kid? Was The Little Rascals. So I'm just going to show them the 90s Little Rascals movies. And I'm watching this, I'm like, this is so much more sexual jokes than anything that's out now. And yep. it's weird. I do not like this at all. Like, I'm uncomfortable watching this film. Kids make those jokes, and that's, that's yeah. They used to do that all the time, and, it, like, it, like, even Goonies has some moments where it's like, why are kids talking about this? Yeah. Like, like, like... Uh, maybe 13 year old boys might mention it but they would be like mm, Little Rascals would, it's they literally like they're like 6 year old like a kid said to me while we were watching yeah. Little Rascals this kid turns to me and goes this movie's weird why are they all talking like they're grown ups and I'm like dude I don't know like it's confusing me too yeah, <laughs> I don't have an answer I, for you here <laughs> when I was 12 if I was going to talk about a girl the most I would like say to laugh is like literally like boob and then we'd laugh, and then we'd move on. We wouldn't sit there. I mean, and I'm like, not. I'm, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying. Obviously. I'm yeah, not yeah, saying yeah. I want this. I'm not, <laughs> I was just surprised. <laughs> I, I think one thing that is really good in the current development of how they market animated movies in general is I saw this tweet that pointed out the difference between the poster for the first Puss in Boots and the new one. In the first Puss in Boots, there's like a poster where like the female cat clearly like has a butt. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a very sexualized, bizarre sexualized picture of the cat and Puss in Boots. And then the the new one, you know, it's obviously just like, oh, she has eyelashes. You know, like, that's what makes her a girl. She has, like, that's the signifier that she's a girl. She has eyelashes. And Mm -hmm. that's it. And it's like, great, like, because she actually looks like a cat and not, like, bizarrely, you know. and sexual. Yeah, exactly. And, I don't know. I, I'm glad we're moving away from that. But I think that's also kind of where we started on Lonnie, where it's like she is very clear, like she is the one woman in this movie, female character in this movie that isn't a mom, and her character design is, I think, very sexualized. Question on the table was, is the penguin hot? Now, not like... <laughs> now, I, I, clicked, I clicked on an article from the Surf's Up fandom that oh, no. I saw on Google that said it said Lonnie was the tritagonist of Surf's Up 2007, and I'm like, that's so not true at all. The tritagonist. No, I would say the tritagonist is Chicken Joe. <laughs> Tri- <laughs> and yeah, we should, talk, we should talk about Chicken Joe, because he's like actually the best character, right? 
I mean, arguably, in the first ten minutes, the protagonist is the I little like the little bird. I, I, I love the little bird. The I, little bird has the best the character development. The little Jewish he's, bird? The, he has the best character development in the entire movie. And he's a bird. I liked him a lot. Like, And also, it's one of those things where I'm he used to... Do it. Like the, he's, he's like a, how a bird is in our world to that movie, where he's so insignificant that this you don't actor, talk about it. This actor yeah. played Anthony Scaramucci on The President Show. That's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> I was just looking up this actor, because this actor, I feel like, is like... You know, movies, non-Pixar movies, or even some Pixar movies, but non-Pixar movies in the 2000s animated are always, like, loaded up on the voice cast, right? And I think this movie is pretty loaded up on the voice cast for the main characters, with the exception of Mikey and Tank. I like the voice I thought Tank was Will Arnett. Well, I immediately clocked to Dietrich Bader. I don't, I think that's some Diedrich Bader disrespect. Yeah. Well, no, I immediately clocked to his Diedrich Bader. Oh, did you know Diedrich Bader from other stuff? Because I saw the name and I didn't know who that was. I know him because... Well, I knew him from Veep, but honestly, I knew him from this before I oh. saw Veep. So when he shows up in Veep doing his normal talking, I, I was like... No, what see, I really was... I, when I first heard Tank, I was like, that sounds kind of like Will Arnett. That's uh, what I first asked. I was like, is that Will Arnett? I immediately clocked it because he is Batman. And Batman the Brave and the Bold and on Harley Quinn. Even though I don't watch Harley Quinn, but I immediately Batman the Brave and the Bold, you know, everyone like talks about like what their Batman shows. And most people say it's Kevin Conroy's, but I did not actually watch Kevin Conroy's Batman growing up. And it's so good. I mean it is from what I've seen, it is really good. And I've played the Arkham game, so I know what Kevin Conroy's Batman is. You know, yeah. and I've well, from what I've seen of the Batman cartoon, Batman I really do Beyond. like it. Yeah, and I've actually watched more Batman Beyond than I have of Batman the Animated Series. But Batman the Brave and the Bold was the Batman show I really watched. And Diedrich, ba- Diedrich Baker Bader is Batman on that. So when I hear Tang, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Batman. Like, <laughs> That's a good Diedrich Bader. Yeah, exactly. That's Well, the reason I have a good Diedrich Bader is um, he also played uh, on the Grimmatures of Villy and Mandy, Hostel Gatto. And the very first D&D campaign I ever played, I made a character named Haas Balbone, which was just Hostel Gatto, but... With the backstory of Rocky, like, like, like he was a boxer, but I, I, I did everything in characters like, yeah, let's go do this, guys. Like I did. So whenever I do my Batman voice, I do just do a, my Diedrich uh, Vader, which I do think is one of my better impressions. Is it mm-hmm. good, or is Mark just being nice to me? Oh, no, I was solid. <laughs> good, cool. I want to give a shout out to the horribly misspelled and. And clearly, not 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 enough effort or time was put into this website, the Surfs Up fandom, because wow, there's a lot. Of, <laughs> You're telling me there's not a big fandom for Surfs Up that would maintain a Wikipedia? <laughs> just there's for that no film? useful information here. Let's, let's, some let's read. Let's read Chicken, Chicken Joe's. <laughs> let's read Chicken Joe's description real quick. Go Chicken Joe's straight to the appearance. Hold on, I just wanna I wanna read this word for them. That's real. I know, I, it's just like, this whole thing is funny to me. I need Mark to remind me what a deuteragonist is, though. <laughs> it's just the second whole, protagonist. Wait, oh, okay, so wait, dude. then, what, wait, I need to know the after this. We had an episode this, titled that. After he, this, I see the deuteragonist, but yeah, not Wait, the yeah, that's what I think. After this, you need to look up what Z is, because Z, Cause I feel Z's, like. Because Z's Ben Kenobi, he's not, he's not yeah, Han I guess. Solo. I guess. But what, what, uh, what but, archetype right. is that? Sorry, but go on, sorry. Alright, so let's, let's find out. Uh, Alright, yeah, so, Chicken Joe's appearance. He's a rooster with orange-yellow beak, blue eyes, green tail feathers, brown feathers, and an ass that don't... What? Surfs-up.fandom.com slash wiki slash chicken underscore Joe, bro. What? 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 Is Chicken Joe hot? 
Yeah, it says I, it, it mentions him being a stoner on the wiki, which is funny because yeah, that would does. just never come up in the like. He Joe's very relaxed, smooth talking rooster who acts like somewhat of a stoner. To jump back to something Mark, I'm pretty sure it said 20 minutes ago, and I said something too, and then he ne- like he did not continue on the conversation. Yes, I've seen Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> oh yeah, well I just didn't know how much. I don't know. It's, this this is a really interesting collection of people who were like significant around this time because yes, it's very you, it's a very seven gas this is the month yeah. before transformers yeah and i mean this is transformers one. Yeah, the movie that yeah. launched kelsey Grammer's career right yeah, definitely yeah. Um, <laughs> and i think that oh my gosh you guys gotta was watch james that wood not in a transformers movie i feel like he definitely should have been in one of those like early ones I don't. Which no, I don't. I don't he feels, so. No, he feels like he should he be, be in like one. a voice yeah. of a later. I did not know that yeah. John Heater was in Monster House. <laughs> Monster House, of course, man. Who, which is on the, the the commercial that's on the DVD, might I add? He's got that 2007 <laughs> flow. Is, has some shockingly bad animation, considering oh the other movies that were coming out at the time. I just want to say, yeah, Surf's Up has shockingly well, good it, animation. It's like on Polar. I would say it's on like Polar Express level. I and think it's flow, way worse. You know, than like Polar it Express, is that. In my opinion. I think it's. Aiming for a different art style yeah. and does not quite. It's almost there. video game esque. Because it's like trying to look more clay. I feel like it's trying to look more mm-hmm. clay. Like the hair is very purposely not yeah, and it, well, good. But it's like, we know they can do it better. Yeah, animation so styles are like, so interesting because, like, when people figure out their animation style and they start to realize what makes it pop and look really great, you come up with something like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and the animation is just peak. But it's like you look at something like Monster House, and it's like you enjoy the movie, but you go back and you watch it, and you're kind of like, ugh. Like season one of Clone Wars, you're like, ah, this animation is uncomfortable. Season one of Clone Wars is superior. Do you mean oh, the three D ones? Oh no, I just mean the first few episodes of of like season one of Clone Wars. For me, the animation was just like. He's talking about the CGI one, one, Mark. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I? I know we're we're going long, but can I go on like an all time detour right now? Because John Heater allows me to do it. Like one of. One of my great, great stories that I don't think I've ever dropped on a podcast. Perhaps. All right. Yeah, only if it's only if it's really good. I, I think it is very good, um, and it also can relate to Shia LaBeouf in a weird way. Um, so, listeners of the podcast will know, and Mason and Thomas are about to find out that I used to play a game where you would write movie outlines and then we'd simulate the box office and. It was a good time for all where it's like, you know, you pick the actors, you cast the actors in them and you pick the actors, you pick a director and like, yeah. So, you, you know, you write movies for that game. This, these are, this is like right now, this is in 20, we're in 2015, this story or a little before 2015, actually. Um, I've started, yeah, I started playing this game like in 2014, 2013. And everyone has like their pet project in that game where it's like an actor they like who is not famous who they're trying to make fictionally very big and my choice for that personally was the actor david henry from wizards of waverly place the 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 older actor from wizards of like the older brother in wizards of waverly place yeah the older brother and the thing that's really funny is um mark's aware of this the game has since rebooted and i've i played very briefly in the reboot and then i've no longer do but when the game rebooted, weirdly enough, someone else succeeded where I failed, and now Jake T. Ha- Austin is like an A-list superstar who played the younger brother on Wizards of Waverly Place in this game. <laughs> but I cast David Henry in a variety of smaller projects that were um, 
like well received, but you know, like they were like small movies. You know, they were like the faults in our stars type of thing, where it's like, oh yeah, I might make money, but like it's not like a big thing. So for my big franchise movie, what I gave them was Thomas the Tank Engine, directed by Michael Bay. Um, <laughs> where he played the human lead, obviously. And this is how it relates back to Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> However, the bit did not stop there. Because this website had over, like this website also had like was a message board too that was beyond this game. And people there were like five there's about ten people on the message board who play this game, and then the message board like has two hundred other people on it, right? Like two hundred like it's a very popular message board, but it's not like everyone plays this weird niche game on it. So and and this bit with David Henry spills out eventually, where I go see Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 at the opening Thursday showing because David Henry has a role in it. Stuff like that. And one thing I do that's very exciting to me is that I post a thread as soon as it's announced that there's this bad-looking indie drama that comes out called Walt Before Mickey where David Henry is in it. <laughs> and David Henry is playing uh, Rudy Ising, who is an... I believe the guy who steals Oswald, like, helps steal Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. But the reason I brought this all up is I was looking at John Eater's Wikipedia page. And I see that he plays Roy Disney in this movie. That, that is the whole reason I brought this detour about David Henry and how I'm obsessed with David Henry. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm really glad that he got, you know, the Napoleon Dynamite. I watched it once when I was, you know, I think, I think just too young to appreciate it, but... Glad that he got his, you know. I see that he guest starred as a tentacle in All Hail King Julian, the spin-off of Penguins of Madagascar. I I wanted to talk about how well, I think I don't know, this is another person who's problematic. I think Shia LaBeouf is an underrated actor. He's one of this I don't know if this is a hot take. He's one of the few Sam. Sam. Sorry. Jesus I Christ. Just, that guess. was like that took me there. Sam. Um but I mean I actually Transformers may be a better example of this, but I think he's one of the few people that I can like listen to and I think they talk like a real person. No, 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 no. It's my my impression of Shia LaBeouf in the Transformers movies. Yeah, well, I mean, it's I don't know, it's not I don't know some some like when he was in Nymphomaniac, I did, I did not like him, but I think, I think Transformers. I was wondering if you said A or. Yeah, I was gonna say that changes. No, 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 no. Lars von Trier. He plays the love interest, and I don't think he's very. I don't much care about him. Interesting. From what I know about Nymphomaniac, it was everything except that Shia LaBeouf was in that. I'm really curious how Indiana Jones Five is going to address him. That is one of my biggest interests with that movie. Is like how how will they acknowledge this happened? So we, I wanted to mention this with Diedrich Bader, but we moved on very quickly. But same time, I, I want to call out, because we also talked about this with Mikey, is that this movie, I think this movie, even though, yeah, this, I think Shia and Jeff Bridges and Doja Chanel are all fine. I think John Heater does a good voice performance. I just think James Woods is, like, of the celebrity performance. But what who really stands out in this movie to me are, like, the more of the working actors, the more of the voice roles that are just voice actors. We've, we've already mentioned, uh, we didn't say his name, but Mario Cantone, who plays Mikey, and then Diedrich Bader. But on the same time as Batman the Brave and the Bold was another great cartoon, Cartoon Network, called Symbionic Titan that no one talks about. 
And the entire movie, whenever it cut back to Glenn, uh, Glenn, who's Cody's brother, I was like, who is this voice actor? I cannot place it. And now that I have the cast in front of me, I noticed that it's Brian Posen, who was fin- both Posen, who was fantastic on Symbiotic Titan. And I just wanted to mention that because I think he does a very good job in his very small part here, voice acting. Because I think that is a role that is very boring as written, and I think he makes it funny. And I don't think, and I say as written, because I also think the animators do not really do much to make it exciting, either. That's all I wanted to. Say. That's all I wanted to get back to with Brian Posen. So you mentioned how the working actors kind of make the movie. I agree. The um, the urchin who we mentioned, who the fire urchin, who's like. Uh, broken, broken, fractured, yeah. broken. That was actually a trans voice actor by the name of Maddie Taylor. Oh, awesome. Which I just find an interesting fact. That's very uh, cool. They had a trans voice actor <clears throat> for... Oh. Uh, I mean, the actor is also an open season. They were Elliot, the, the, rain, the deer with the broken antler well, open season. A lot of things in open season. I, I will point out that they were not out at the time this movie came out, but that does not take away from them being a trans woman. But... It, right, it doesn't take away that, take it away from just, it, them, but I'm just saying that like yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, yeah. But I do think that is a cool factor that I had no idea about, and I would also say that the um, Surf's Up wiki page needs to be edited to remove their dead name. Uh, maybe I'll do that after we are done, because I had no idea because they are listed under their dead name on the Surf's Up. Wow, this Maddie Taylor person has a lot of voice actor work yeah. in these early. So I'm gonna edit. Someone I'm gonna edit that after this because <laughs> I think that's bullshit. That it's their dead name is on the her dead name is on. And the we criticized the Surfs Up Wiki page, but now we're going to use it to make a positive effect in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie Taylor was also George W. Bush in in South Park. <laughs> that's actually and that's a big role a actually <laughs> on South Park. Yeah, Whoa, open season like. Uh, tough Puppy. I did see the uh, Tough Puppy. Oh, Tough Puppy. Yeah. Wait, that's what that's what all those characters are from? There's a lot of Tough Puppy characters. Yeah, a ton on of Tough Puppy. Well, I, th- wow, I thought I saw that she was a storyboard like artist on Tough Puppy too. I thought it said. That's like that. Yeah, that, that this is like Frank Welker levels of voice acting. You know, like Frank Welker is like Scooby and Fred and like Fred and Scooby Doo and stuff. Like she's kind of doing everything. Wait, guys. The I will say words. one last thing. I want to say about her filmography before we move on is that oh my god she played the cheesosaurus rex in the craft mac and cheese commercials yeah that, that to me is like yes. a whoa that's like a that's like a big deal you know she was sparking that the family is so cool parents. i'm sorry this is so cool to me that when she transitioned like in real life they trans they had her character transition too on the loud house that is so cool to me actually (laughs) on a nickelodeon cartoon sorry i i I think that is really cool what year um let me look when this episode she transitioned in the episode gown and outs let's go to the loud house wikipedia page uh we gotta put a picture of her character in the loud house now on the episode picture um the episode she transitioned and came out in august 2018 the character on the loud house i gotta ask did Surf's Up change y'all's lives? Absolutely not. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> it, it might just be... It might just still be changing my life. It keeps coming up. <laughs> it's very it slowly changing, changing everything. If I was going to pick a Pixar movie that has changed my life, it would be Finding Nemo. Well, yes. yes. But how does Surf's Up measure up to something like that? Or just a regular Pixar fair? Because that's kind of the question is like how 
is, you know, this is this is the co-director of Toy Story 2. How does this film measure up to what they were making at Pixar? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you guys have very precious memories of this film. But the whole idea of, like, how does this compare to Toy Story 2? It's like, well, <laughs> it's fucking terrible in comparison to Toy I think even if you're a fan of this movie, I think most people, I think if anyone told me, no, yeah, Surf's Up's a better movie than Toy Story 2, I'd be like, this what has are Green you Day I do like the Look, soundtrack. The soundtrack is really thing. Good. What thing about and I, the surfer testimonies and them being like, I love to be in the wave. Oh, it's amazing. I, I can enjoy surf stuff for what it is, but I am also very adamant about the fact that there is a scale for movies and TV shows and everything. And there are so many movies and TV shows that are horrendous, that are bad, that miss the mark, that people love. And Star Wars is one of the consistently worst put out like uh whole like as a collective movie genres i guess you could call it a genre basically at this point but people still eat it up and are obsessing over it and love it and i am one of those people do not get me wrong i don't hate star wars i do love you star stan wars. andor but if you don't like star wars star wars is bad do you stan andor we always have to ask him i was about i haven't watched oh, it yet. So I, good. Good. I know it it's is. really good but i want to like I see when it's actually good. I want to wait till I can have a lot of content because I don't care about the Star Wars content coming out besides like Andor and Hot Take. I loved Rogue One. A lot of people don't like it. I think Rogue One's a great movie for what it did, and it was one of the better pieces of Star Wars to come out. It's solid. Uh, but I want to. I, I, I see Mark's face, and I agree with Mark's face that we need to stay on Surf's up. <laughs> we need to. <laughs> yes. Um. How does this contribute to our conception of what Pixar is? Um, I think I look at the generic characters in this movie and just go like, like I know like to compare to Toy Story two and to Pixar in general. We I, I mentioned how like this movie has the female character, this one female character. I think Toy Story two has. A, I mean, obviously there's other like side small female characters besides Jesse, but I think you even just compare Jesse to Lonnie, it's like night and day difference between who is actually like a well written character that's important to the plot. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Jesse gets fleshed out, and you learn about the character. And, you, and she's like, so important to Woody's arc in that film. Whereas yep. mm-hmm. Lonnie's an afterthought here. And Lonnie is quite literally there yeah. for to to be yeah. a female. In nothing yeah. like in yeah. for a surf side. Like that lifeguard bit works, but after that, and I, I want to clarify, I I don't think like I think one one thing with Pixar is their track record with women characters is also not great. But it's still, like, you were saying, like, comparing, like, you know, something that's really terrible and doesn't work at all to something that's great. And I, I just look at those two things. It's like, well, by comparison, Jesse is absolutely, like, the greatest character of all time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I do want to say, because we have anything else worth mentioning, unless you guys wanted to say, I think you guys already said your conception of Pixar and how Surf's Up relates to it. Your point Well, I wanted to... I want to press again about my Shia LaBeouf thing because okay, I ahead. think that his performances in Surf's Up and Transformers influence me Sam. In, <laughs> in the way I think about like what is what is interesting to watch on screen. It's basically that. Um, and it's incredible because, of course, like I said, Shia LaBeouf's career beyond that is not much, but I think that's affected me too and like what I value because I am not super like my brain if I'm performing or whatever it does not jump I I stutter a lot when I'm improvising and I think a lot of that comes from like 
Shia LaBeouf performances and being fascinated by that when you're like a kid, but in like intentionally. Um, but I just I value that more than I do some other like things. Like how Rick, I mean, Rick Sanchez adds in the stutter, and it's like that's part hey, of hey, what, how he talks. And you're like, yeah. like Danny, don't you do, don't do your recommend your impression to Danny never again. Well, Rick, the thing the thing about that is that it's like it's it's very unnatural. Like on, uh, I think that Justin Roiland and uh, Shia LaBeouf definitely two people <laughs> two people of the same breath. <laughs> Anything else worth mentioning? I did want to say one other thing about the movie, too, which is I saw on Wikipedia, not with citation, because the annoying thing about the Wikipedia page for this movie is that it features no production information at all, even though that's what I'm very fast. I'm very interested in, like, what the timeline of this project was, but I'm not going to do separate research of it. And we've already established that the surf stuff Wikipedia page, like, separate wiki is not very reliable. <laughs> like, that's the one thing. They're, they have, like... Eight characters listed under characters when you look at it. Like. Well, I will say about the production, I do know that they did mocap. That's what with I was gonna camera mention. That's what I was getting into, yeah. To get the shakiness. And I do remember from watching the DVD long ago oh, that yeah. they had behind the scenes footage which had the actors standing that. up and talking to each other and they filmed that for references. So and it I, wasn't just like filming the booth recording and I, I think as a reference. How many how many movies did that back like with with the animals. I, well, I wanted to. Me- well, Happy Feet famously uses mocap for all the dancing. And I think maybe even a m- little more that Happy Feet has a ton of mocap in it. And obviously, Polar Express, Monster House, Beowulf, all those are in the mocap space. I think it's interesting to me, and we might talk about this next week of Ratatouille as well. Is that Pixar infamously hated the idea of using mocap at all? Like, they have said that, like, Ratatouille, and we might, the reason I say we might mention this next week is because Ratatouille has a disclaimer at the end of the credits saying, absolutely no mocap was used at all, 100% real animation was used. We did not use any shortcuts, like mocap. Real Yeah, animation. I don't, that's not exactly what it says. I will look at it next week and actually, like, take it like a gander what it says. They move pretty goofy in that movie. But it's, the whole... The thing is, is, like, we talked about this with Corpse Bride, is that, like, part of the appeal of animation is that it's a little sloppy. Like, you want it to feel like it's made by someone, personally, unless it's, like, you're watching Avatar 2 and you want to think you're on Pandora. But, like, when it comes to an animated movie, it's like, like, Spider-Verse, you mentioned Spider-Verse, Spider-Verse. I feel like the ironic thing about that is that you're watching Avatar 2 because it's, like, this massive state-of-the-art achievement, and I'm like, I'm... Somebody made this, and it's, like, so hard for me to be immersed in that sense, but I... I'm with you. But, like, um... Sorry, I had, I had opinions about no, we, water. We, we have a lot of we, we. I drop layer of the water takes all the time. Uh, I will not uh, acknowledge that thumbs down because Mark knows it will derail the episode for an upper hour. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, not a fan. I'm, I'm a huge fan. It's one of my favorite movies of last year. Uh, well, I, I, I caught that. <laughs> uh, Did you see Way of the Water though, or just the yeah. first one? No, the good first one I enjoyed. Oh, you saw Way of the Water. Oh, there will be blood. There will be water. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, I do. I thought the mocap was interesting. I thought I felt like that was worthy of mentioning because I actually think it does look really good. I don't really, I don't really notice it in the character animation. In fact, knowing that the, apparently it informed the character animation doesn't have me as interested. Um, but I think the idea of using the mocap for like the idea of like we want the camera to be accurately shaky, I think that is kind of cool. Um, I love mocap. I think it's so cool, and Does I think it? it's really interesting when they get to like incorporate it in cool ways. Like when they had Smaug 
in the Hobbit series. Were the surfing parts like? Maybe? I don't. I thought Mark no. implied they He's, were. Oh, the smoke thing. Is, no, they no, were. They weren't. The surfing oh, my bad. was. I mean, I mean, a lot of. There were a lot of visual references filmed, but it, from what I remember, it was mostly like dialogue. I remember something particularly between Shia LaBeouf and Jeff Bridges. Um, this is just something I saw from the DVD extra long ago. I don't remember everything yeah. about it. I actually would push back. I think that mocap is interesting, and I think especially for something that is shot like a documentary like this, and which exploits the power of documentaries to focus between the foreground and the background and shifting focus so frequently, I think that there's some value in that. I, you know, I don't know where it came from, and I'm sure that some of it was pre-directed, but I would get a lot of value of shooting like full staged scenes for a film like this. I fully agree, and that's what I think is like the redeeming quality of the Hobbit trilogy in, as a movie franchise is Smaug, Benedict Cumberbatch's performance of Smaug, and I think it only plays as well as it does is because Benedict Cumberbatch asked if he could do the mocap for it so He's he could delighted. get into the character, so he could be Smaug. I love, I love the videos. It, oh, the videos are freaking hilarious. But, like, I, I think it adds to him being able to delve into the character and make it so enjoyable because Smaug is far and away my favorite part of the Hobbit trilogy and I don't care about most of the rest of the movies at all. I love Smaug though. Favorite I feel like Mark and I might have and I say Mark and I because Mark texted me something that's about what I'm about to say earlier this week. I think we might have a response regarding Avatar 2 but I don't know again if we want to open that can of worms but I will say I love Sigourney Weaver in Avatar 2 and it's definitely something you can only get with mocap. I shut the can of worms. Thank you. Good idea. stomp on it. Good idea. Good idea. No more talking about Sigourney Weaver, Danny. We don't care that you like this 70-year-old woman's performance. That was me talking to myself. Are you, are you talking, talking about... Just, just... And so I understand you're talking, talking about, about Kiri. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, That's incredible. You remember her name because I was... Like, I remember Kiri. Sigourney Weaver. I remember Lohan. everyone. I remember Loak. I remember Payakun, our Lord and Savior. Well, I looked it up after and I was like, <laughs> was it... Kids, it's funny, Weaver? there's movies where you know the movie so well but don't remember like the names of characters. For like the first five or six watch-throughs of Good Will Hunting, I didn't know what the hell Robin Williams' characters was named. I didn't know it was Sean McGuire. I just, oh, yeah. I didn't take I, I, I didn't. I was about to yeah, say, like, I don't... I don't that's, that's, a movie of, that's a movie of Matt <laughs> exactly, Damon, exactly. Uh, Robin Williams, and Ben Affleck. Sean, bro. It's about him being Robin Williams in the greatest film of that is a good movie. All right, Mark. Give your yeah. spiel at the end. Well, at the end of every episode, we like to give the film something. A lot of shows will give star ratings or thumbs up or thumbs down. We don't like to do that. We like to give the film a physical object. Like, if well, you actually had to give the film something, what would you give it? And Danny is right to grunt and bring up the issue of, physical. like, it doesn't have to be a physical <laughs> object. Maybe it can be an I'm experience not giving it a I'm not giving it a or, I don't know, a performance or something. Whatever you feel. So we like to lead this off so our guests have some idea of what's going on. But Danny, do you want to yeah. give it something? So my, my thoughts towards this film are, in fact, mostly negative, as I said, even though I've been very... I think I've been more diplomatic than I normally have been towards a movie I don't like. Um, but my letterbox review says this is one of the longest 85 minutes movies I've ever seen. Uh, and my opinion on that, on how to fix that possibly, even though I know this is like the most annoying thing that people always suggest of everything. But I also think it would have made this thing more successful in 2007 than releasing it in between 
Shrek 3 and Ratatouille in theaters is instead of this being an 80 minute movie a 75 minute movie without credits I will instead give it a little more fleshing out to Lonnie a little more fleshing out to some other characters and extend it into a 10 episode miniseries of 30 minute episodes 22 minute episodes and that will work better because The Office clearly shows that there was an appetite for mockumentaries on television and I posit that if Nickelodeon, because as far as I know, the only cartoon reality show we ever got was Total Drama, which Mark knows I have a story about eventually that I'm not going to drop now because we're going too long. But You don't think Creature Comforts is kind of the same thing? Creature Comforts was a one-off thing, and it was pre-Office, though, is my thing. I'm talking about like during the Office craze, in the mockumentary craze. But yes, you're right, Creature Comforts does fall into that, too. But I'm saying if Surf's Up was a TV show... Maybe it would have worked better. Maybe we've gotten a follow-up to it, too, that wasn't just, you know, a WWE ad. WWE. Yeah. So I, 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 I give it uh, a recut of it being a season-long show. I'm a follow-up. I don't necessarily agree that it would be better. I'm not saying it would be worse. I don't know what yeah, it exactly. would be. But um, what I do know is that I think the mockumentary format can work in TV format or movie format, just like it did with what we do in yes, the Shadows. exactly. Which has worked as both, obviously, a movie. But and I prefer the show. That's all, that's all I'm saying. I love yeah, the okay. movie. I loved the movie. I thought the movie was. I think the movie's great. good. And it was a, as someone who had not watched the show yet, a fantastic way to be introduced to the show. Mm. So I thought the movie was solid, and and that and so I think I think I want to give to uh, Surfs Up a uh, little bag of sardines. The penguins earned them. Okay, I think for what it is, considering where it was released, like you said, between Shrek and um, Ratatouille, I don't know if it was if it had much of a chance at all. But for what I think it is, which is just a run of the mill kids movie that was never going to be Toy Story, I think it does its job, even if it's not necessarily the best money producing movie or whatever. I like it for what it is. I'm giving Surfs up a, ba- a bag of sardines. Nice. Go Penguins. Recently, I finished reading the six-volume series Akira that was in our house because Mark bought the Katsuhiro Otomo series Akira, and it was a masterpiece of graphic novel and fiction and everything. And the protagonist in that, Kaneda, is basically Cody Maverick done right, where he's just the protagonist who moves the story forward, and all that matters is that he is that guy and so basically with surfs up i just want more i just feel like if there was more opportunities then it could have been as good as uh one of the greatest pieces of fiction ever written but for now i think i'm just gonna give it a costco membership because everything's <laughs> going right for nice. it and it, it just needs that little extra step to get it figured out full circle with that. i like that one mark what do you have what are you gonna give it i think that the big problem with this film is that maybe I haven't seen the Chub Chub Save Christmas because <laughs> like, apparently it wasn't included on the DVD. So, you know, with all of its problems, I think what Surf's Up needs to push it over the edge is to include both the Chub Chubs and the Chub Chub Save Xmas in a special edition Blu-ray release. That's what I would give this film. A Blu-ray release in 2023. That's great. What do they do now? I love... 
for I don't think they do anything Excuse now. me? Like, I own Turning Red on Blu-ray. The Chub Chubs? Oh, no, 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 Blu-ray. Oh, I was going to say the Chub Chubs are extremely <laughs> good. Chub Chubs are gone. The Chub Chubs will miss you. The Chub Chubs have went the way of the dodo. <laughs> so, guys... This was this was a lot of fun, um, and now we just ask our guests to plug themselves. How can people find you on the internet? Well, you can find me on Instagram at Mason underscore Babcock one Babcock B A B cock, just how it sounds. But yeah, that's where you can find me on Instagram. Any attention I could possibly direct toward the University of Iowa improv collective or just any of the comedy going on in iowa city iowa that's a nice shout out is all i need all i want so yeah or on instagram i'm thomas underscore comma underscore young uh danny what are we doing next week well as the tiktokers say we're going to be talking about Remy, the Ratatouille, the rat of all that's our not even true because we're not covering that until like Two years Recovering Ratatouille, that. the normal Ratatouille. <laughs> Can I? Am I not allowed to sing? No, because it's the end of the episode. We can't like cut the true, things. But <laughs> yes, we have outro music. Yeah, it's what? true. We have a very special oh, guest man. lined up. If you've listened to my other podcast, he's guest before. I'm going to be very vague about his name, but let's just say he is a person who has actually directed a movie. So it's very cool. Very, he's the guy I went to knots with too. Bring so, me the cube. Yeah, I went to. Yeah, we have Michael Bay on for that too. That's, that's, that's our guest. Next time it's Michael Bay for Ratatouille. Looking for the Ocean is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. Our original artwork was done by Sarah Knopf, and each episode is edited by me. If you'd like to be notified about new episodes, you can find us on Facebook at Looking for the Ocean of Pixar Journey, on Twitter at Pixar Journey, on Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod, and on our website, lookingfortheoceanpixar.podbean.com. If you want to know what I'm up to or find me on social media, you can head over to markyoungperformer.com. And if you'd like to see all my takes on all the movies, you can find me on Letterboxd at Blankman's. If you'd like to hear me on another podcast, I also have The Snub Club, a podcast about film history. We'll see you next time. See you next time.